Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Carl Nelson Show. And Glenn Rising Wake Up Squad, and thanks for kicking off your week with us again later, Kwanzaa Creator. Dr. Moana Karingo will continue our observance of Black History Month with a look at the life and times of Malcolm X. Dr. Karingo will also look at Malcolm's contributions to the struggle. But to get us started, political blogger Brandon is here. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning, Carl. How you doing, man? Excellent, brother. Excellent. We've got a lot to talk about. There's been a lot of movement mm-hmm. on the political landscape in the last few mm-hmm. days. But uh, let, let's start first. Let's start first with this. Uh, what's going on in Alabama with with the with the the uh, frozen embryos? Now they're basically saying that they are citizens. But be, beyond that, though, the political aspect of it is this an avenue that the Democrats can exploit? I think so. Um, there's the reason why is because there's a split in the Republicans. Um, basically, you know, now we're talking about what in vitro fertilization. Uh, is what it actually means. And we're talking about also using resources. And let's not forget, it is a business as well. So now you have um, uh, quote, um, black magas like uh, Byron Donalds who gets up and says, you know, well, you know, he's for uh, families that want to breed. That's those are the terms that he used. That's the term he used. He, he, they're good in vitro fertilization is good for breeding. Um, just to, in my opinion, an asinine statement to say something like that, because what we're talking about is, um, you know, do these do these they're trying to give them the same coverage. Obviously, it is a tactic to try to begin the process of getting rid of having a national ban on abortion. And the thing is, okay, do these embryos have personhood? Uh, One particular uh, um, lawyer was very clear about asking the question. She says, you know, do, can they be insured? Um, do, do they have a citizenship rights if they're, if they're here and a woman comes over across the border and has her, you know, and, and has the, um, I have a small echo coming through. Okay, there we go. Um, but she, the, she would come across the border, and she has now that she has these, uh, uh, these, these fertilized eggs. Is she now? Uh, can she now stay in this country to raise whatever, or be with the eggs as long as possible? You know, there's all sorts of problems that come up because it's a ridiculous um, ruling, but it's done for the political edge in this particular time. Like I told you before, I've been saying this from the very beginning. Republicans don't want to govern. They want to rule. Everything they want to do to this country is going to go through the courts that they packed. And they're trying to they're trying to it's not even chip away. It's because we're going to get into this later on with another topic I think you want to talk about. Um, They're just they, they set these laws and they set them in front of the courts and the courts say, okay, that's it. And we have to make a decision on whether or not we're 
going to uh, abide by that. But do you think the, the majority of the American people understand what you just said? It's up to the Democrats to make the American people understand. It's not up to, you know, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, that Americans, not to go too far off it, I don't think Americans understand the realities and the real politics in regarding the, the war in um, Israel right now. And so the, those nuances get lost. And this is one of my big problems with um, the new AI that is dropped. I, I know this is not the topic, but it's very, very important because I talked about it on my live stream, you know, until I was exhausted about how dangerous it is because it comes so close to being so real that it can obstruct the truth Better than anything else that has ever been created, this text to video, it, the video is, in, in many cases, it is, um, it is perfection. And right now, there is a war, and coming up with the youthful people, there's a war going on, an information war, on TikTok, on both sides between Israel and, and Hamas, basically. And they're going back and forth. I shouldn't say Hamas. That's not true. It's, it's the Palestinians. And they have a little bit of facts, and some of it's propaganda. Some of it is just straight inf- misinformation. But it's the coming of age of two generations who haven't seen anything like this. So the naivete of the American people will stretch very thin in regards to many subjects, including this one. So if you ask me if I think they understand, some understand the nuance, but it's up to the Democrats to make it blunt. All right, let, let's get into that, because we're going to talk about it later this week in Futuristic Researcher, uh, Brother Sadiq Mkhari. Talk about that AI, which you were explaining there, Brandon, and, and, and talk about the implications for using it. Okay, so um, AI is basically what they're calling artificial intelligence, really, is, is uh, computing power that can take huge data sets uh, based on human, uh, the human experience, um, and our trends and our habits online and the things that we look for and act like and all the stuff that we do on different in different this is a trip different I would for lack of better terms I call them data data banks but they're ginormous banks of data throughout servers in the United States they don't really tell you where they are the nor do they tell you where they come, they come from but there's several different companies that have been aggregating all of our experiences online. And the thing is that the computers have become powerful enough to take those experiences and to basically, if you ask it to do something, it can, it can easily, it can easily delve into that into that bank of experiences and come up with some facsimile or something close to what you may think about putting out. So, at first, it was being able to have a conversation, and it can do that. Then it's uh, write me a resume, three seconds done. Um, write me a script about. 25 seconds, done. Um, make a song that I can use for something, a minute, done. And last year, it came out when there was a, there was a meme of Will Smith eating um, spaghetti. And it, it was a, a video meme. And it was horrible. It looked, it just looked crazy. It kind of looked like him, but more like an alien. And it was, it, it looked like more, there was just these, you know, slides of pictures that looked like they were done, you know, oil paintings that were done. And it, it was him eating this. And, but it was a video. Now, 
Now they have a new version called Sora, which, I mean, some of the stuff that, that they've done is just remarkable. I can go really nerdy and deep into it, but let me just say that for the three seconds that you may see some of these videos online, you will not know if they're real or not. I'm talking about the ones that are trying to promote hyper-realism. They have other ones that are easy cartooned. There are other ones that are connected. Now, before anybody, you know, before we get too deep into the implications of what that may mean in misinformation, I just want to say that this was a big part of why um, actors, and myself included, went on strike and why we, why we were on strike for almost a year because you know, we saw this – I saw this coming 10 years ago for a very specific reason, but they saw that this was available. And what that means is it, what we were more concerned about is them replacing you or furthering your performance by using different techniques to change what you said or to add new scenes and not paying you to taking taking uh, ownership of of maybe um, they maybe got did a scan of you and having an ownership of that and then using that scan like a like a, uh, a CGI marionette and, and putting you in into several different films without your okay because you signed one contract. So we we were trying to you know stop that from happening. But the real implications for me, the real world implications for me, just just understand this, Carl. When the voice AI came out, and it's a learning machine, so that means that it it if you in in the voice situation specifically, if you if I say uh, do Carl Nelson's voice, it will say, okay, give me an example. And I give it 20 seconds of your voice. And it will work through that 20 seconds and work through that 20 seconds until it finally comes up with a very good facsimile of it. Now, what started to happen immediately, as soon as that went down, you had criminals getting the voice of, of young people calling their elder parents and telling them that they've been abducted and to send them money. These were extortion plans that actually went down, and they would play their kid's voice off in the distance, like in a room that they're being held or whatever. And the kid would be at work, you know, but, but the parents wouldn't know this. Now imagine a state, a government, uh, an agency, the CIA, the FBI, uh, if they want to just put your face on a criminal that did something. It's, it's easier now to do than ever before. They can place you at a scene of something that didn't happen. They can, they can take your voice and put it within other voices and discuss, and you won't be able to tell. And I see, I see the implications of this thing, and I see when we're going to talk about, I guess, uh, Project 2025, when you start talking about fascism and then the tools to be used, we have to be very, very careful about how we approach this. It's, once this thing dropped, and it just dropped last week, um, it is a progression of the open AI, uh, which was picked up by uh, uh, Microsoft. Many different things, there are many different moving components of it. But once this thing dropped, Carl, the problems that I see is if you connect this to the fascism, the, the, the knocking fascism that we're enduring right now, it might be something that, that we cannot recover from. 
Wow. You know what, Brandon, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about it later this this week with futuristic researcher, Brother Siddiqui Bakari. But one of the, the issues, too, is because uh, Tyler Perry was going to do an expansion on his studio because he saw this coming. Mm-hmm. He canceled the $800 million expansion. Because now if you can mm-hmm. look what you said. He's looking at it from the, the, uh, from the movie industry. Uh, you could just tell ChatGPT, I need a, a, a Western starring XYZ. And this is the plot. And just type that in, and you get the whole movie produced. So you, you know well, you're looking down, and, and you're right because that, yeah, the political aspect of it. Yeah, it's not just like, for instance, um, if you go on the Sora page and you look at the videos. Okay, the two things that struck me as remarkable is they have one of a young lady walking through Tokyo. Now, I, I, like I said, I could go deep into this, but there's something called occlusion that's used. Um, that is about uh, how light reflects off the skin. And because of the way that, that, that the worlds used to be built in gaming, the skin would often look rubbery. It often shine too much. Light would reflect off it because they were dealing with, with uh, polygons and then later on the kind of a higher thing that's called rasterization. It didn't really have skin that actually absorbed light and then you know, showed you kind of the layers in between. Well, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. There's also a math theory um, that is dealing with like how uh, groups move. Um, it has to do with something that's called particle um, movement, but it's it's like um, how school of fish move, and how a computer can just use these math uh, calculations to make these fish move uh, almost independently, but at the same time, so it seems like a, a bigger picture. What what does that have to do with anything? That is how hair is designed to both catch light and to look and see and seem real. And there's a, there's a video of three puppies playing in the snow, and you can see snowflakes. You can see each hair move. You can, it, is, it is uncanny. There's no difference. And, and I'm saying this to say that what would stop any bad actor from putting Carl Nelson's face up to, to Zoom chat with his bank to get a loan or get a mortgage or plot something against the government or, you know, try or be at the center of something. Now, we've the thing is, on the other side, on, you know, hold that thought right there, Brandon, we got to take a short break. I'll I'll let you finish your thought when you get back. And also Mm -hmm. tell us if you think this is the this this could be the end of the Internet as we know it today, because with all these bad actors out there and what they're doing, and they're going to really going to rear its head as we go closer to the election. All these constructed mm-hmm. and manufactured uh, folks mm-hmm. on the Internet were probably tell- saying things that uh, they shouldn't be saying uh, to convince mm-hmm. you to vote for a particular party. Is this, mm-hmm. in your estimation, do you think this is the death of the Internet? I'll let you respond to that when we come back. Of course, we've got to talk about Project 2025 and also what Donald Trump mm-hmm. said, too, about black folks and why they like him. Family, you want to join this conversation with Brandon? We're chopping it up right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And thank you, family, for staying with us. 21 minutes after the top of the hour, we were on with political blogger Brandon. Brandon is explaining the new AI, artificial intelligence technique that's out there now on the Internet. And so my question to you, Brandon, is this the death of the Internet? Now we don't know who to trust or what to trust when we see on the Internet. How do you see it? 
Um, well, they're not the same thing. Um, trusting someone or trusting words or I, I would always say never trust what a politician says. Trust what they do, even though statements are actions often in the in the top leaders of uh, any government. But um, no, this is just another iteration. It's just another version. The Internet isn't that old. Uh, the Internet, quote unquote, as we know it, is not that old. Um, you, YouTube, as we know it, is only you know twelve, thirteen years old. As we know it, it started out earlier than that. But it, you know, these things, you know, it's like with any kind of new medium, new form of of uh, communication. Um, this one is a little different because it has brought so many. Uh, the world is now smaller. Uh, it's brought so many of us together, and it tears so many of us apart, and it happens all at the same time. A lot of people say, well, this is the era of – this is the scampocalypse, right, because there's just a new scam around the corner. Anytime you come on the internet, there's something new from Bitcoin to you know, these classes, the how to get rich quick and all these different things. And it, that's not it for me. That's not how I see it. And my philosophy is that people come willing. One of the first things that a charlatan needs, do the self get you to listen to them. Well, when you go on the Internet, you're already available. People are searching. They go on the Internet. They're searching for a few things. One of them is entertainment, and the other one's information. And if, scam, if scammers know this, Right then, then all they have to do is give you the promise of entertainment, or the promise of information, or the promise of, you know, getting rich, or all these different things. And you know, you, most people don't ask the question. You know, is this person selling me treasure, or are they selling me a treasure map? You dig what I'm saying? So, so if you ask that question, the first thing you would ask beyond that is, you know, why is this person selling me their treasure? You know, um, that, well, I'm saying all that to say that. We're willingly walking into this form of communication. So, no, I don't think this is the end because it's not the end of human uh, communication. Um, it is a, a turn, and we don't know how it's going to land, but I can tell you that there's going to be nefarious because we saw that happen immediately with the voice AI. And the less talented people out there who are driven for just, you know, to grab on something, no matter what it is that they that they that you do, other people do, they'll be looking to you know profit from this in certain differentiations. Now, if you're going to say, is this the end of this growth of this of how this goes? No, because quantum computing is around the corner. <laughs> quantum computing is around the corner. That using um, the powerful. Uh, um, um, it, it's beyond digital, which is the ones and O's or the hex uh, uh, um, language. It's beyond that, and it moves faster, and it can calculate and crunch numbers that are bigger faster, and and on and on. Where does this go? Now, you know, the AI that they talk about, Carl. Like I said, it isn't it isn't particularly AI. It is called that. I mean, there are debates, but we're not talking about sentient computers. We're talking about computers that are so geared. They do learn. They learn at their tasks, but they don't learn in sense of of, of intuition. Uh, they don't have the sense of of, uh, of human um, empowerment or human frailty. That's not the situation. They have a data set. They crunch that data set, and they come up with the facsimiles that we have taught. 
the computers. But none of that matters because, like I said, it's, it's all about what we're willing to hear. And on the political side, it, it can be very dangerous. Matter of fact, there, there was just a call that went out in New Hampshire from, from uh, supposedly from Biden telling people not to vote. And it turns out to, to, that it's a, it was a, a magician who said he had been approached by Democrats to put that call out by a, a, a rival of Biden's, the man who is running, who no one can remember the name, and I I, I have forgot his name, and I feel bad about that. But <laughs> the, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Who are these people to do right. that? And, and let me jump in here for a second, Brown, because yeah, I saw that article, and the guy said he was a. It was a Democrat who told him, but he could have been fooled. It could be a Republican who told him, who poses a Democrat, yeah. got him to yeah. do that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. This, this new technology, how can you trust what you hear and see on the Internet now? I mean, not everything, not everything is going to be twisted. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but not everything. But, yes, you should go into the Internet with a bit of skepticism. That's not, there's, there's nothing wrong about that, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's that's part of living life. You know, beware those you know all buyers or, you know, uh, you must understand that it is a tool. It is it is used for um, community, for commerce. Um, I wouldn't put companionship up there, but many people do. The dating apps are just remarkable. As a matter of fact. Um, there are a lot of, you know, the dating apps get a lot of. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Apparently we dropped we dropped Brandon we lost the call with Brandon so let's get it back this technology family eight hundred four five zero seventy eight seventy six it was on my end I was calling it was twenty eight minutes to top the hour and uh, interesting we're going to get into Project twenty twenty five it was hell we're going to talk about what Donald Trump said about why black black people like him especially young black men like him because the fact that he's he's being persecuted and, and that's appealing you know he goes off off the teleprompter and he talks stuff like that also well let me remind you coming up next week or oh, this week actually some of our guests include griot professor james small uh, futuristic researchers we mentioned brother sadiqi bakari will be here activist uh, physician dr velva bowles also, clinical psychologist Dr. Jerome Fox is going to join us. That's our lineup for most of the part of the week, but lots of some other folks are going to be with us as well. But those are some of the guests mm. that's going to be with us. Mm. It's just, mm. uh, Brandon, you're back again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm here. Sorry about I'm that. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll I'll let you finish. You know where we dropped I, I, off. Where you I called gonna, I was going to say that that you must. You, yes, you must be cautious. Um, when you go on the internet and we use the internet, yes, this is going to require more more caution. I'm not saying it's the end of the internet, but you really have to pay attention. Now, there are people that lose fortunes 
um, because of things that have been done on the internet. And I was saying, I was talking about some of these dating apps and how people, people have turned the experiences on the dating apps are even now uh, part of their entertainment, which I think is cool, but except that there's a difference between men and women and that the women um, actually have to deal with a great deal of danger because that psycho- psychotic people can actually get into your sphere, into your life, into parts of your life. And that is also how Trump targets his enemies is that he actually will will guide the craziest part of the MAGAs, you know, towards um, towards uh, it's people who he thinks are his rivals or his enemies. And I'm going to say this. I know you watched the funny uh, Willis um, yeah. the hearing that she had. Well, this was said by um, Roy Barnes, who was a former governor of Georgia. He said, I, when, when they asked him how come he didn't take – because he was supposed to take – he was supposed to prosecute the case that Fonnie Willis ended up prosecuting. And he said, I've lived with bodyguards for four years, and I didn't like it. Now, he's talking about when he was governor, and I wasn't going to live with bodyguards for the rest of my life. Now, that's chilling when you understand that what he's talking about is if he were to prosecute Trump, Trump's minions, some of the more disturbed maggots, 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 would stay on him, come after him, and he believes that. Now, that's fascism personified and weaponizing individuals. Um, into your, right, your, hold your up, though, let's, your let's get into that, Brandon. Twenty nine away from the topic. Let's go. Let's go to Project Twenty Twenty Five because some of that folks okay. don't know what Project Twenty Twenty Five is, and some some people who've heard it they poo pooed it. You know, especially the the mm-hmm. Trumpsters. They and they say, ah, that's nothing. It's it's not really anything we should be concerned about. Should we be concerned mm-hmm. about Project Twenty Twenty Five? So so the Heritage Foundation is a hyper conservative foundation that has in past years come up with a plan, a, a blueprint on how conservatism should be, should be um, embedded in the nation, how, how uh, conservatives should govern, how it should be embedded. It's, this one dropped in April of um, 2022, I believe, and it comes from a man – uh, uh, by the name of Paul Dans, who used, who was actually uh, a Trump appointee, and it it comes through the Heritage Foundation. Like I said, the Heritage Foundation is a very conservative organization, and it has these pillars. Um, it's a 900-page document. No, I haven't read the whole dang thing. I've read some of the bullet points in it, and um, listened to some of some great reporting. Um, from different people in regards to it. And it is, it's astounding. It is, it is remarkable. It has four pillars that initially um, kind of wants to, wants you to, to understand throughout the thing. It says the unity of executive theory. That is, that is a uh, statement that came across when Reagan was in, uh, when he was, remember, he was trying to deregulate everything. Um, that's the first one they first showed their ugly head was around Reagan's time. Um, the second pillar is personal database. They want to get a database on everybody that's involved. They want, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why in a minute, which is once, once again, chilling. They want training. They want people involved. This is a pillar of what they're thinking of how to do. And they want a 180 day playbook. Now, what exactly are they trying to institute with these things? Well, 
Um, the first point is taking the reins of government. The second one is the common defense. The third one is the general welfare. The fourth is the economy, and the fifth is the independent regulatory agencies. They're trying to they're trying to basically um, get rid of them, right? And in a speech, now it was it was chopped and edited. But this is essentially what this guy said, this guy who came up with this, this guy who came from the Heritage Foundation and kind of pulled it all together. He says they want to bring a new army of aligned, trained, and essentially weaponized conservatives ready to do battle against the deep state. Also in there, uh, they talk. Hold that thought right there. Let let, let folks digest that, Brian. And hold that thought right there because we got to take a quick break. Let them digest that, what you just said, because I think – People are poo-pooing the idea of this uh, twenty project twenty twenty-five, and and it, for them, this is the guidelines that the, the next president of the United States, if he's a Republican, is going to work from. Family, this mm-hmm. is an interesting conversation. Wake up some of your friends and tell them Brandon's on the radio, and we're chopping it up politically. You got questions of anything on the political side? Reach out to us at eight hundred four five zero. 7876, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour with political blogger Brandon. Brandon is breaking down Project 2025. This is something you all should know about. For- Brandon, though, let me just remind you, come up later this morning, we're going to speak with uh, Dr. Milana Karenga, the Kwanzaa creator, as we continue our observance of Black History Month. He's going to look at the life and times of Brother Malcolm X. You know, Dr. Karenga's writing a book, I didn't say a book, a, a periodicalist, because it's a huge book on Brother Malcolm. And later this week, we're going to have to be joined by clinical psychologist Dr. Jerome Fox. You know him from his book, Addicted to White, the Oppressed in League with the Oppressor, a shame-based alliance. Also, activist physician out of Louisiana, Dr. Velva Bowles will return, futuristic researcher, as we mentioned several times. Brother Sadiqa Bakari will be here, and Grill, Professor Small, will also join us. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, you're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Brandon, go ahead and break down this Project 2025 for us. Yeah, so we were talking about it, and I said that... Um I gave you the quote uh, that he gave. Like I said, it, it's it's chopped together, but he essentially said this. And then there's another part of it where it says, maintain a biblically-based uh, social science-reinforced definition of marriage and family. Now, those two things, you must understand, there is when in that first quote that I read, when he says, uh, do battle against the deep state. In order, we've, we saw this with Franco. Uh, we saw this with Mussolini, and we saw this with Hitler. The fascism requires a demon, a devil. It requires a, a an adversary, uh, so that the 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 dictator can stand up and say, "Only I can protect you, so you must follow me, or you must maintain my power over you." And that's actually what's happening. Here, when they say deep state, because that's not something somebody can – they can't prove it. They don't need to prove it. They just put it out there. Trump had 72 opportunities, some 70-plus opportunities to prove that he won the election. He didn't. It was a judge in there that said, no, you, did, you, you absolutely – he didn't. Okay, I know he didn't win because 
he again in a speech the speech he just gave at the so-called I don't know where it was he gave this speech and he said he goes into this thing saying we actually won and we won this and we won that and we won this and it happened to be run on Newsmax and the reporter after Trump was finished with his speech the reporter gave a disclaimer saying that Trump, in fact, is proved that Trump, in fact, did not win, that Biden got more votes. And the reason why they have to do that is because they're getting sued, because Fox got sued and settled, because there's another, there, there's another um, um, voting machine company coming down the pike after Fox, after Newsmax, after all these, because he, Trump, just continues. But he has to as a as a dictator, as a fascist, and and this this uh, this report, this you know. Yeah, but let me jump in here for a second, Brandon. So so why is it? Why do people believe him though? Why do why do I mean it's like gospel? You just mentioned it. You know they saw it, what they saw, and yet still they believe Donald Trump. Are they mesmerized by this man? No, it 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 play well. I don't. I can't tell you why. I'm, I'm saying I. What I think is that white supremacy is a hell of a drug, and it must be a remarkable thing to have. Just no matter where you are, in what station of life, and what stratification in, in our civilization, no matter where you are, you could have immediate agency over another human being, or at least their life, or their their short term job, or their long term record. Because that's what they're trying to hold on to. That's what this is about. When they talk about um, Christo, you know, they're talking about Christian ideas. They're talking about white Christian ideas. They're talking about white evangelical Christian ideas. They're not speaking to fame. They're not talking about. They're not speaking to the fame uh, of uh, fame. First African Methodist Episcopalian. Um, they're not talking to. You know, the black Baptist churches, they're not speaking to to these brothers and sisters that have worked you know, so hard in their communities. They're talking about their view of the world, period. And and it's one that sets them up. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the thing that Trump is, that Trump is he's a politically and I'm talking about you know politics when you're talking about ge- the geopolitical status of the nation how you lead how you run Trump is is you know vastly illiterate in those things okay he doesn't have that skill he doesn't have you know and so they believe honestly I think that they can control him or at the very least get from from behind him and do what they need to do but you know the same people, same type of people believe that about Hitler. They absolutely did. And he stayed, you know, he was smarter than Trump, but he stayed moronic when it, when it came to the military because nobody had the guts to tell him that he didn't know what he was doing militarily. Had he listened to some of his generals, I don't know, we might all be speaking German now. But he, you know, he thought he knew everything because he was surrounded by people who would never tell him the truth. And the point is, is that he was a fascist. He was a dictator. He was, and they thought they could harness him and hold him. And that's not what dictators do. They don't become that. This sets the tone. They are setting up. They're telling you this is not in the shadows. It is not in the closet. They're telling you exactly what they plan to do. And Trump has said over and over again he's going to go after people who disagree. He's going to go after um, some some um, 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 writers, some of your ilk, some reporters, some journalists. 
you know, he said, he said, well, we, we need to, you know, create these. I think it was um, one of his former, uh, former appointees, uh, one of his advisors that said, basically talking about creating concentration camps for uh, a great deal of the immigrants, you know, um, as if, as if the Republican economic ethos does, don't use their bodies, you know, in the, in the, in the, the agricultural world. Because, you know, no, you know, quote unquote, red blooded American wants to go out there and pick grapes for, you know, five dollars an hour or whatever. They're not going to do it. And so I'm just saying that that they don't need to believe in these specific words. They have an entire, you know, an entire uh, environment that they can couch whatever they think Trump represents. And I, I, it, it, I'm baffled by the black Trumpers, but, you know. It, it, we can't worry about, about them anymore. We just can't. All right. Let, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's go there with the black Trump supporters. And Trump, you know, you know what mm-hmm. he said this weekend about his mugshot and, mm-hmm. and the tennis shoes. Then he looks out into the crowd. He says, oh, can't see anybody, but he can see the black ones. And we've got folks out there, black folks, black Trumpsters, who, who don't feel like that was insulting, you know, about his, those black us, and he's talking about all of us black folks can identify them because he's, he's, he's being accused that the system doesn't work for him just like it doesn't work for us. And, I, and some of our folks didn't see through that. They thought that, you know, they thought it was a joke or they, they, they kick it off to something to the, that side of a fact, but they didn't see how condescending he was. I want to get your thoughts on all of that, Brandon. There are black white supremacists as well. I say Tim Scott is one of them. Um, he, 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 Trump can do no wrong in his eyes. Um, I, I first I used to think that it was just a ploy, you know, but early on. But now I think he actually, you know, that's that's the way he rolls. And and these, you know, we used to always have this test. We always used to ask ourselves, you know, if if and I'm not saying this, but if some of these entities, some of these entities that continuously fight brothers, you know, over and over again, were to have open enrollment, you know, what black folks would show up. And this isn't about, you know, uh, uh, you know, what books you read or how you dress or, you know, if if you're kind of nerdy like me or, you know, who, who somebody uh, dates, what kind of car they drive. This isn't about that. This is about clearly hearing this man saying, you know, they're bringing in people that are that are basically spoiling our blood. They're coming from Asia and Africa, and you still stand next to him, which means that you don't have an ounce not only of pride, but self-preservation. What does that even mean? They're, they're poisoning our blood? And he ain't, when he says our and holds his heart, he ain't talking about you. It's an amazing thing to watch, you know, because I thought in my lifetime we, we would progress further than this. But that is their job. A Byron Donalds, uh, a Tim Scott, that is their job. Their job is to be that black person in the room that that basically is like the anode rod in a in a water heater that is a sacrificial anode rod so all of the poison that they speak he can soak up and say well they don't mean it because I'm here I'm I'm black I'm here so they they obviously don't mean all the racist stuff they're saying I mean Trump got up there and said you know um all I can see is black they I, I saw one shot they turned around and said it looked like it was mostly white people in that room I I, I it was just one shot I couldn't make everything out, but it wasn't packed with black folks. 
which is reassuring, <laughs> I guess. And then the other thing, like you said. Well, uh, hold God, that thought right they, there. Even when he supposedly this past weekend, Brandon, uh, spoke to black conservatives, from what I understand, most of the crowd was white. So, yeah, you know, there's something missing yeah. there, but it, it had other people to report that. But, but go ahead. Yeah, you, you're absolutely yeah, right. I, I think, I, Please, I think before you go ahead, though, I've got a question for you, though. I got a question for you because I know you're not a psychologist. And this is a question I'm going to ask uh, uh, Dr. Fox this. What do you think okay. the, the white folks think about uh, think about uh, uh, Byron Donalds? What do they think about Tim Scott? What do they think about uh, uh, Justice Thomas? What do they really, really, in their heart of hearts, these white racists, what do they think about those, those, those brothers? I don't, I don't think they do think about them. I think, about, I think they think about their utility, and that's about it any more than they think about the cars that brought them there to the event. They're, those, they're there to do a, to, for a very specific reason, and that's it. They're not there to lead. They're not there to speak. They're there, if, they ever, if they ever speak and, and take a toe off that porch, they're going to realize. I, I'm, I'm, there was a young lady, a young sister, who, who ran from Utah. And uh, I, don't, I know you remember her. She was in the house. Um, and yeah, and she, when she, when she tried to get her campaign together, you know, for that, she found no help. She found no, and she ran as a conservative. She found nothing. And I think she gave a really, a really embittered speech. I remember, I can't remember any lines from it, but she was very angry. And, and, you know, we were all like, well, what did you expect the moment they don't need you? And now mind you, that's a, that's the greater world of politics. Don't go into politics. If you think, that your til- your utility uh, uh, doesn't matter. It absolutely does. What can you bring to the table? You know. But at the same time, I don't think that there's any need to think about them. You know. But but let me jump in here again, Brandon. There's there's one thing that all of those people that we mentioned have in common. Do you know what it is? I'm listening. Think for a second. All right. They're all married. They're all in interracial relationships. They're safe. They're safe Negroes. Including the sister from from uh, where she, Utah, wherever she was, uh, the mm-hmm. Haitian sister, including uh, the Clarence Thomas. Uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Tim Scott claims he's now got a white girlfriend or or fiance, whatever. You know, this mm-hmm. put that in air quotations. And, and Byron Dolls is married to to a European. Is 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 that the is that the litmus test for for white racists to see whether or not you you're safe or not if you're you're swirling? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a man who's dated many different types of women, and I can tell you, it's it's only strange. It's only strange to Gen X because we can actually still remember the end of the time when walking in with anything but a black woman might get you killed. So I I you know I. I can only imagine what the racists would call that white woman who would date you. You do understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, we can sit here and talk about it. You know, Harry Belafonte, you know, you know, great producer, remarkable actor, brilliant singer. But if he walks with one of his wives into the wrong, you know, bar, despite the fact he was Harry Belafonte, he could have ended up ended up on, you know, on the on the on the business end of their racism. So I don't necessarily believe that just because they that is a litmus test. I think that the litmus test is bowing down to to their uh, dehumanization of us and trying to act like it doesn't. I don't know. I have no idea. Nikki Haley, her name is Nimarata. 
and she changed her name to sound more Anglo, as if this she was, as if she was, and I'm going to say this outwardly, as if she was a quote unquote very Euro ethnic person in the film industry in 1922 when they all came over and became, you know, uh, uh, Nina Brown or you know <laughs> John 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 uh, Smith. You know, they changed all their names so they didn't sound so they sounded less, you know, uh, European. Well, she changed her name to Nikki. Now that to me signals that she, she's willing to, you know, to give up, as if Nimarata is that hard to say. You know, she's still losing. Yeah, but... hold that thought right there because we got to take a quick break, uh, Brandon. I'll let you finish that thought right there when you get the when we get back. But it's six minutes away from the top. They are family. You just want to join this conversation with Brandon. We're chopping it up with some politics. Reach out to us eight hundred four five zero seventy eight seventy six, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on ten ten. W-O-L-B, and if you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. W-O-L, for information is power. And good morning, family. A minute after the top of the hour, we're talking politics with Brandon. If you want to join this conversation, reach out to us at 800 450 7876. Brandon, I'll let you finish your thought that we interrupted you while we left for the last break. Yeah, you were talking about the litmus test and what, what is needed uh, in order for them to uh, find uh, black followers and whatnot. I think also, too, there's, there's a grievance culture that runs through uh, uh, magazines, even the right. That's, that's, they do grievance politics. And so there's a lot of brothers, I call some of them, uh, some of the cats the Fotepians, the ones that speak of, you know, all things, you know, of the, say, the African continent, but aren't necessarily precise. That's one thing the Internet has done. It's gotten rid of that brother in the corner who used to act as this, you know, this chief of all knowledge. He was in the corner of the of the, of the barbershop and knew everything and spoke in all these different uh, ways about the motherland and all this stuff. And then you can just look it up now. You can just go look it up on Google and say, oh, well, you weren't really precisely right about Ghana, you know, or Zaire or Zimbabwe, you know, or South Africa and all this other stuff. So there are people who are still like that, who ha- who have grievance against uh, uh, their own brothers and sisters in their own communities um, for whatever reason. So he does draw upon that. But I don't think that that, that is a uh, that is an effective number or at least a number that can affect um, the the Afro-American electorate as you know can sway it one way or another you know we we are regional we are local we are regional and we are national and in all those situations the afro diaspora in the united states of america usually vote towards self-preservation um that's our first thought um taxes and and how are the things you know work out are are uh, secondary so we we have been there it's kind of been here like you know almost every vote since we've been, quote unquote, allowed to vote, has been uh, an expression of existentialism. We've, we've always had to have our, our self-preservation in mind when we vote. You know, uh, white folks, uh, for the first time in a long time right now, are looking at this country possibly teetering into fascism. And then all of the safeguards that were supposed to stop this, like, you know, responsible Republicans – 
or the law, you know, the AG, a Garland, I'm, I'm very disappointed in him, but, you know, where where are these safeguards, and including, I always say this when I come on, your brethren, you know, the people in the media are just doing a terrible job because, and a lot of people may not know this, but they get paid heavily through um, election cycles, and if this isn't a horse race, if this isn't a Biden versus a, a, a Trump, if this isn't a, a worthy opponent horse, like if Trump just basically says because the uh, uh, the RNC head, uh, she said she's going to be stepping down uh, next month. Now that was all draw, draw, drawn up by Trump, and you know one of the things that and, and you know the reason why Brandon McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know the reason why. Because <laughs> yeah, right. he wants to tap into that money. He, he spent he, he spent all his does. money uh, with his lawsuits. So he wants to get his daughter-in-law to run it. So then he is an easy access uh, to the RNC's funds. That's all that. that it's a money grab Absolutely. for Donald Trump. Yeah, it, I mean, well, it's it's a it's a resource drain, and, and what that what that shows you is that he's not pulling in the money that he used to pull in, and and he keeps running his mouth. It's it's a trip to watch the watch the. Uh, the this this horror show because he's just been hit with these lawsuits and he he has no intention of paying this money so this is this is the difference between him and Biden Biden is running to lead the nation again Trump is running to save his life I absolutely believe that and so, there, so there, what happens if he who's if he doesn't come up uh, uh, sometime next month in March I guess in mid March he has to come up with that money. They start seizing his properties. Do you think you're going to mm-hmm. see a response from the MAGA army? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I'm, I'm not deep in with them. So, uh, you know, I don't uh, 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 know what their plans are. They're getting signals from leaders in their situations, like from the Heritage uh, Foundation, that these – that um, – I'm not going to say violence, but certainly uh, militarism um, or militant. Uh, well, hold that thought right there. So, so the threats that if they lose the election and they say what we saw on January 6th, it was just a it was just a garden party. It, it's going to be much more if they lose the election in November. Are they blowing smoke? Because we're supposed to be scared about that, or do you think they're really serious? I don't know why we're not calling them terrorists. Like I said, they have pipe bombers. They have people that have exploded bombs. They have people that took over a government uh, shade uh, and 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 held an arm, held it in arms. This happened in Washington, as a matter of fact. And Trump pardoned those people. Um, they've had people. They've had standoffs, and I don't know why. You know, that's what I'm trying to tell you is, you know, that is the case. 
it's not it's not waiting until he's not elected. By the way, um, Sister Leticia James, Attorney General of New York, uh, on on uh, Twitter began to post the um, the interest, the daily. I think it was the daily interest, um, where it was. Uh, it ends up being, I think, like uh, I want to say a hundred and some thousand dollars a day on the interest that he's supposed to. So she 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 absolutely will begin the process of uh, snatching some of those properties. Now I don't know where that's going to leave. It's one hundred fourteen thousand five hundred and fifty three dollars. Um, and the 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 anger on the judge slapped him. I guess it all adds up to four hundred sixty four million. Now in that case, case about the tax and stuff, a lot of people don't realize is. Three of the people that put those taxes together, three different accountants, they rolled over on him. You know what I'm saying? Immediately, Trump tried to turn this into a political thing, but uh, Weisselberg, I think his name is, is Weisselberg, I'm, I'm saying that correctly, and then two other people from two different firms, they all yeah, said that, that those were his numbers. In other words, the experts that he had on his team told this is uh, we didn't have anything. This is what he did. But he's going around trying to act like they're trumped up charges, and it just it's kind of and that's the kind of thing that, I, that you and I were talking about. It is like this this uh, fog that they keep. But it's being it's they should be household names. Those those uh, uh, those accountants should be household names because they're a big part of the story. Without them, this doesn't have. Without them, um, uh, Attorney General James doesn't have all the dots connected, right? But the media, they're refusing to report it that way. This this number didn't just come out of the sky. They know they they know exactly what they filed and what he said. It's a trip. It's a trip to watch. I got a tweet. Tweeted call in the studio, uh, Sister Win, uh, Juanita, and she says, "This says uh, Brandon. Do you remember Live or Memorex commercials? Isn't this the precursor to the AI technology? We were talking about AI earlier. Um, no, I, it's a tool that's going to be used, um, possibly at the expense of many different types of people, trades, and ideas. Now, mind you, it's not outside of." of the confines of the internet yet, but we get so much from the internet now. And as like, I I keep trying to point out an entire generation can be influenced by what they see. If you want to see what's happening, go on TikTok and see the videos um, regarding on either side of the war in Israel. Now it's a very interesting thing, Israel and Palestine. They started to take down some of those uh, TikTokers. And remove their account is is the fact that they, they, they click, yeah is it fact that they, they it's Chinese manufactured TikTok is that an issue as well? It is with me. Um, there was just a dump um, from a Chinese insider who dumped this huge repository of or reservoir. I guess a better way to put it of um, the elements of hacking. That they have the tools and the and the methods that they use for hacking and getting information and keeping information on uh, all of us 
through their different apps and companies. And it's, a, it, it was, it's remarkable. And, you know, somebody asked me, I was on another, I was on a podcast and somebody asked me, she says, well, what do you think? She says, I said, I said, go on the internet without the expectation of privacy, you know, go on, go on the internet with the idea that, that someone somewhere can see everything you're doing, you know, and if you do that, then you will have two factor authentication, although that can be gotten around by a practical hack, but it's better than nothing. You will not be saying certain things on it. You probably call somebody. You know, and you have to be very careful on which app you use for that. But go with the expectation that you don't have any privacy, um, and that you know. And once again, you 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 hit the nail on the head. China, in in this thing, in this uh, thing with the twenty uh, twenty five, they actually start talking about Marxism. They actually, and, they, and then they, 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 they speak on China as if China's the great enemy. Like I said, they have, fascism needs enemies, but there are thousands of companies that are in China doing business, manufacturing. These are American capitalist countries. So Apple, one of them, which, which has the largest cash res, uh, reservoir of any company in the world. You know, Foxconn and these other companies, they, they build for China. Huge amounts, huge, just, you know, just at all these corporations go out there. Uh, uh, Tesla generated $6.6 billion in China. But, but they, they're telling their people consistently that China's the enemy. Trump never left China. As a matter of fact, I think they, the, the companies were able funny, to funnel, and I, I don't, this is a report, so I have to uh, go back and look at it. That um, China was able to funnel money to either his company or one of his uh, family's companies through the hotel that he that he ran in um, um, Washington, which he which was promptly sold once he left. You know. Speaking about China, let's look at the other one, Russia, the Russians, and we talked about this previously about Russia. It seems now that that. Uh, the Republicans are cozying up to the Russians. We remember when, when there were the Soviet Union, there was the big mm-hmm. red scare. That was the last thing that Americans wanted to do was get in mm-hmm. bed with Russians. But now it seems like the Republicans, is, how do you see that? How do you view what's going on here? Have this change of thought? It seems like they're, you know, basically they, they're, a, they're a voice for, for Putin they're, because Donald Trump is, is, has so much control, such a hold on the, the Republican Party. The few voices who, who have dissent, they've either quit or they, they shut up. But I look at the clock here. We've got to take a, a break. Can we come back? Can you explain that dynamic for us? Why is the, 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 they're jumping in bed? Why are the Republicans are jumping in bed with the Russians? Why are, and, and this is all this goes back and they're throwing the Ukraine issue too. That's why they're slow walking this money for Ukraine because they want Russia to take over Ukraine. I want you to explain all that to our listeners because we, we need to understand the big picture. Family, you want to join this conversation with Brandon? Read out to us at 800-450-7876-14 after the topic. I'll be back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, free in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And Grand Rising family, 20 minutes after the top of the hour, we're talking politics with Brandon the Blogger. If you've got a question about politics, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Now, before we left for the short break, I was asking Brandon about the Republican Party, at least some of them, not all of them, but the, the 
I guess the Trump wing of the Republican Party, which is probably 9%, this affinity they have with Putin, with the Russians, and all of this, the ramifications with what's going on in Ukraine. Can you sort that out for us, Brandon? Well, I can tell you a story, okay? So a day after the Senate Intelligence uh, Committee confirmed that Russia had interfered with our elections, eight Republicans flew to Russia for photo op. And then when Russia invaded Ukraine, these same Republicans began to blame President Biden. It's, I will, I will put it simply that their infatuation with them is because they want that here. Either that or Russia is paying or is uh, has a hell of a lot of people under its thumb. And I'm only saying that because they had – so the Hunter Biden, so-called the Hunter Biden um, um, part of the impeachment of President Biden uh, apparently came from the testimony of a witness. Republican witness, whom now the FBI has arrested because they said that this person, Smirnoff is his name. Uh, I, I think that's kind of dubious, but okay, is that he had lied to the FBI about everything. He had lied about everything. And they still think they have a case. They still are trying to push this because, you know, they want to keep this thing going. But not only that, he said he was fed that information to give to the FBI. A Trump judge released the person, and the prosecutor, who was the same prosecutor prosecuting this phony impeachment on President Biden, immediately went and got a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, an arrest warrant from a judge to rearrest the person. Because there's a good chance that the person wouldn't live the end of the week because of, of who Putin is. Um, so now the question is, are they going to acknowledge that they actually have been you know, uh, fielding a Russian op against their own president? And Carl, I just have to say that they want for a dictatorship. That's, I, that's how I see it. I just – I can't – you know, black folks – in the Afro-American diaspora, have not lived, quote-unquote, in, in a certain freedom. We've always lived under dictatorship because despite of who we voted for, despite what was going, there were still local race code laws and uh, discrimination and racism. And we were, we've always we, – we just call it Jim Crow or some, some other version of that. So we, un, we understand that you know, the leadership doesn't necessarily represent the local – and the local doesn't, you know, always represent the leadership. But I think that the Republican Party now is an extreme party, and so they don't have a problem seeing, you know, Russia is the, is the last great white hope. Like I said, it ain't Germany. Germany got too many brown people in its in its uh, in its uh, uh, ruling parties. So it's now, you know, and Germany is very progressive. Germany is about science and moving the country forward. And, you know, I'm not, I don't know if it's left, it's, you know, the idea of conquering far behind, but it certainly um, is, is no longer trying to front face this, the idea of the Ubermensch. 
but in Russia, you can still do that because you have a dictator who has, you know, apparently, well, I'm not going to say he has, but, you know, there's a lot of journalists and people who have, who have, you know, had strong backbone against him that have, you know, end up disappeared or, or worse. Uh, Navalny, Navalny, excuse me. Uh, so, um, so let me jump in and ask you this, though, Brandon, at, at 25 after the top of the hour, this flirtation with, with, with the Russians, is is it racially based? Is it all because of the super race thing that, that, that some of them are going to? Is what's going on here? I mean, I, that's why I said the dictatorship as well in my consideration. about Because Russia actually, and, and you know this as well, um, they actually have a connection with a lot of African nations. The Soviet Union actually opened that up, and they would bring nations in. And that was one of the things, actually, that that uh, uh, prompted the United States rivalry, that the Soviet Union was actually educating these brand-new nations, these nations that had just thrown off the ties of imperialism. And, you know, many of their their great – their leaders, you know, uh, received not just education but training. Um, from the Soviets. And so, you know, that was the whole Cold War situation. What countries were going to fall under the uh, the wings of which, um, which uh, ideas of governance. And so they have Africans over there. Uh, you recall how poorly uh, many of the Africans uh, or the black folks, I don't know if they were all Africans, but how they were treated during the um, – the uh, leaving Ukraine when Russia attacked. Uh, it's not like we're not represented in that part of the world, but I do believe that there is uh, an idea of, you know, you have a dictator who presents whiteness as, you know, this superior thing. He doesn't have to get up there and say anything about it, but it's far enough away where I think it still it speaks to them because it's it's a dictatorship. I don't know what else it is other than the fact that they may, like I said, they may have the goods on some of these people. Why would eight senators go over there? You know, why Why did we have, you know, why Why was one of the people who ran in the election that got Trump elected, why was she sitting at Putin's table? Why was a general, a former general from the United States, sitting there at Putin's table? You know, even if it was a lot of money, you, you have to ask these questions because it's, you know, they would ask it if it was all black people doing that, you know. And that general, was, I think, was Mike Flynn, if I'm memory serves yes. me, correct? Yes. Was yes. it Flynn who was, who was there? Yeah. See that? Yeah, go ahead. And and he was warned about Flynn. I, I, he was warned about Flynn. Uh, uh, by Obama when he was leaving office. <laughs> and he probably mm-hmm. just smiled because he, hey man, he's on my team. <laughs> Obama didn't know that Flynn was not was, was working for the other side. But the, the majority of the American people, though, Brandon, don't understand this and and, and they don't get it. And that's from that's my concern because it seems like we slow march into this dictatorship that you're talking about, fascism, and we're sitting back here watching it. And we have, uh, we, I give you an example. They interviewed some sisters over the weekend in the South Carolina by the vote and says, well, I'm voting for Trump because the economy, it was better under Trump than, than it was under Biden. Not taking into effect that the, the, the economy is a global issue and also the pandemic. How do we get this message to some of these folks who don't have all the facts? How do we reach them? Well, that's one thing that the Internet can do, like I said, it does effectively. Um, but you have to continue to to uh, uh, 
be engaged in it. And you can't, you know, you can't run scared from it. Just don't give everything that you have to it. You have to, you know, the the idea, like we were talking about with AI, um, is and, and the reason why I'm saying pay attention is because the misinformation can drown you out. But if you're not even in the pool, you know, the voices that you may hear it, it, at the very beginning. You and I had a discussion about um, the, the Israeli Hamas war. And to me, in my opinion, I said the most important thing is that we have discussions about it, that we don't just leave it up to the governments to tell us what's going on. We actually talk about it, and we have debates, and we have – so that the information – you're not going to agree with everybody, and people are going to call you names, SOBs, and whatever else. But through some of that noise, you may get a couple of facts that may help inform you. And this is no time to be burying your head in the sand. This is no time to not vote. That ridiculous, those ridiculous statements, not voting, keeping your voting away as if you're harming somebody. The only person you're harming is the person next to you that might need some of the resources that you both need to vote on. And, and the idea of trying to move forward, at least in my opinion, trying, trying to move forward with this you know, 19th, 20th century aberration uh, uh, dictatorship and fascism is, is insane. The, and you know, it, like I said, there are different motivations. It is difficult to to for people to get all the information when you have a news system that they didn't even modernize. Uh, uh, newspapers didn't even modernize enough to get their own studio set up to have their their reporters. And they're not even doing what you're doing, and and they're laying off people left and right. So now they're more dependent upon the election cycle than ever before because. You know, when I say dependent on, I don't know if a lot of people know this. They they get a lot of ad buys during the election, and the reason why it's very that they need to keep uh, pumping Trump up is because, let's say that that you know it's no, let's say that some news agencies just say, you know what, he's unqualified, he's ridiculous, he doesn't know what he's doing, blah blah blah. Once you get rid of that one side, then Biden and them don't necessarily need to do all the buys that they're going to do because they, you know, I'm going to say, but. You know they'll be doing better off, so they don't need to buy all the buy all the time on the radio and the television. You see what I'm saying? They have to continue to treat this as a horse race. It is damaging on uh, the political fabric of this country, in my opinion. You know. All right. Hold that thought right there. Twenty nine away from the top. There, Ramon is joining us uh, from D.C. on line two. Good morning, Ramon. Uh, good morning, uh, brothers. Uh, may the higher powers bless both of you. Um, to me, uh, the Greek meaning, old meaning of a politician is uh, poly means many tick is blood sucking creatures. And I wanted to ask you, um, have you ever heard of Scott Ritter, the UN inspector of Iraq? Mm-hmm. Back then? Okay. Uh, when uh, the United States in 2014 uh, had a coup and overthrew the, the president, there um and you can verify this with scott ritter he's that why i mentioned scott ritter because he's a legitimate uh u.n inspector what happened to the uh we have called senators and congressmen here but they will call they're called something else i don't know if it's statesmen or something in ukraine i mean uh but when the united states overthrew uh ukraine in 2014 with the coup uh what they did with the congressmen and senators they call them something else though they um took him in the room and burned them alive. Nobody, no CNN, 
nobody talked about that. Uh, so I don't know if you heard of Scott Ritter, and you can verify it through Scott Ritter information where he documents that. Uh, number two is um, Biden said that he that the uh, Nord Stream two was going to be uh, disabled. It wasn't going to go anymore, and so the United States uh, blew up basically Nord Stream two that Russia supplied the uh, uh, Europe. Germany and all of them with uh, oil. The reason why the reason why um, this is really happening. One of the reasons why this is really happening over in Gaza is because on the shores of Gaza they have a lot of oil supplies. So this is not going to stop at all until uh, Israel uh, basically removes removes them from uh, the land. Uh, Biden to me is. Uh, Starting wars all over. He want to start a war with China with World War Three. He's he he's he's no better. Right. He's and no Ramon, better. hold that hold that thought right there. Sure. Ramon, hold that thought right there because we got to take a short break here. And when you come back, just put in a question form, like you did the other question, so the Brandon can respond. And also, Theo will get to you. And we got some uh, got some uh, tweet questions for you as well, Brandon. Twenty six minutes away from the top. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. We're back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on ten ten WOLB, and also in the DMV on FM ninety five point nine and AM fourteen fifty WOL, where information. Is power. And good morning, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Brandon. Brandon is a political blogger, among other things, and we're discussing what's going on in politics today. You two can join our conversation like Ramon did in D.C. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Before we go back to Ramon and Brandon, though, let me just remind you, coming up later this morning, we're going to hear from Kwanzaa creator Dr. Marlana Karengas. We continue our observance of Black History Month with a look at different times of Malcolm X. Dr. Karengo will also look at Malcolm's uh, contribution to the struggle. And later this week, you're going to hear from Griot. Professor James Small will be here, futuristic researcher, Brother Siddiqui Bakari, also activist, physician, Dr. Velva Bowles will return, and clinical psychologist, Dr. Jeremy Fox, all going to be here this week. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio is locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Okay, so Ramon, put in a question for him. We've got some other folks got questions for Brandon, so he can respond. Thank you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I think we may have lost Ramon. Mm-hmm. He hung up. All right, he didn't have a question. He just made a statement. Right, Brandon, did you do you ever want, we want to respond to anything that Ramon just said? Well, I Before remember Scott Ritter. I used I used to I used to uh, hear Scott Ritter. He used to come on um, Democracy Now all the time, and then he got caught up in an internet sex sting um, where he was trying to solicit. Um, underage sex ended up doing i think he got five and a half years i don't know how much time he actually did then he came out uh when he got out 
um, he was speaking on RT, you know, RT, that's a uh, Russian television platform. And uh, since then, he has been, you know, I'm not going to say he's a proponent of Russia, but he's, you know, right there. I mean, I, you know, using some, um, some has some harsh words for Ukraine and saying these things. You know, people need to remember, you know, Russia has an economy that's slightly less than Italy's. Slightly less than Italy's. The thing about this war is Ukraine is making it difficult for Russia to replace their their uh, gears of war. Every time they get into a battle and they take out a, a ship or they take out tanks, take, that's not easy to replace when you don't have a large economy, especially if you're dealing with you know, a population that needs resources and helps and whatnot. So I don't know, I don't know where he was, hello? 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 Yeah, it's coming in from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, there's some music, somebody, uh, can you take that music out for us? There we go. (laughs) Hello? Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I don't know where where he gets his yeah, facts. Yeah, hold on, whoever. He... Hello. Go ahead. Yeah, like I was saying, Go I don't ahead. know where he gets gets his, his facts from, but um, these things all must be kept in mind. There is, uh, you know, uh, Russia does provide Europe with a good chunk of oil, um, and, and including natural gas, um, but. You know, it is 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 Putin's idea to invade, you know, all the way up until, you know, you get to the North Sea and and you know control all those countries or, you know, what I'm saying what what is the game plan? I don't know if any of that matters at this point. Um, what matters is that, you know, Navalny was was killed, and um, they're they're he's a dictator. And that's pretty much where where you can walk with that. And Scott right, Ritter. Hold that right there, because we got some more folks want to talk to you. Yeah, Brandon. Yeah. 16 away from Tom. Theo's in Baltimore on line three. Good morning, Theo. Yeah, hi. Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen. I, I just have two quick questions and then a statement, just a real brief statement. The number one question is, is Netanyahu a fascist? That's number one. And number two, if you've ever seen the Israeli War Council, the people that surround Netanyahu, and make a decision to kill uh, Arabs in the Gaza Strip, is that an example of white supremacy? Having asked those two questions, I'll make a statement. Mr. Nelson, sometimes you seem frustrated when you say that you, you name all the things that Biden has done, and everybody and some people seem to ignore it. But the reason that occurs is because they see genocide as worse than all of the accomplishments. It's just like saying Mussolini made the trains run on time and put Italians to work. He was a fascist. The same thing is occurring now. America is embracing fascism, not only from Trump, which is bad, but also Biden. I've got pictures. I see pictures of Biden embracing Netanyahu. And I'm asking, is Netanyahu a fascist? Thanks a lot. And I'll take my questions off the air. Thanks. Or answer. No chance to respond. Thanks, Theo. And please don't interpret the thing that I'm frustrated. I'm not. I understand what's really going on. But, Brandon, can you respond to Phil's first questions and second question as well? Some of his own people have called that, call him that. And we have seen, 
I said this early on um, because it is a, it's it's more complicated. You know, the the simplest answers have the highest body count, so it's more uh, complicated than just something that's you know one or two moves. But no country, no country that had the power to respond would have put up with what Hamas did on October 7th. There's not a country on this planet. There's not one where anybody in the West would want to live in that wouldn't, that they wouldn't want to have responded. But as you and I both talked about it, I believe that there was a window. There's a window uh, that they had to do certain things. And one of the burdens of having the power to respond powerfully is that it has to be used in a way that it, it's going to sound, you know, it's going to sound horrible, but it has to be used in a way that respects your power. And I think the world, you know, I think Israel has lost the world in that respect. Now, is he a fascist? Uh, like I said, some of his people I've, I've heard uh, be, before. This happened, by the way. How he got back in power was considered dictatorial moves the, the, by some of his opponents. Um, we heard them talk about it over and over with his uh, – I believe he packed a court and he did some other things to put himself back, in, back into power. Um, his, other, his other question, you know, when you go to war and, you, and all these things happen, um, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a pacifist, but I'm – you know, I'm also not a proponent. Um, just, just go to war. I know that when you go to war, um, it, it's 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 a, it's an atrocity. You know, no matter what level, because the purpose is to, you know, put pain upon your enemies and destruction upon um, your enemies in their environment. And uh, that's it's very gruesome, and nobody wants to admit that. There's no such thing as a clean war. The Iraq war, I, I protested every year. I protested the Iraq war every year because we weren't getting numbers, Carl. I don't think, I don't think Americans even know how many Iraqis we killed. I, have, I don't think they have any idea. They don't know how many children, how many pregnant mothers. They, don't, they just don't know. And I, I'm going to tell you, in my estimation, after all those years, I don't think they care too much. And that's what happens when, uh, yeah, when, 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 you do, when you don't understand, you know, the gears of war, what really goes down. So, you know, to answer those two questions, and as for a statement is, you know, someone seeing the funnel, just because you can see the complexities of it, it's really hard for people to take. You know, when you talk about the realities, you know, like you just said, of what's real, we're at the base of this is what's real. I have my feelings about what's real about it. I can, if I say it, it's going to sound crazy to a lot of people, but it's about, you know, who thinks they're the favored son of an imaginary man in the sky? Because it's going to be up to those people who are pushing the buttons for the rockets on both sides, who are carrying guns, who are fighting, who have hostages in one area and then just offing people on another area. It's going to be up to them and the people that surround them to stop this. You know, we can support it, but it's going to be up to them to say no when they're asked, even though even if Biden gets up there and doesn't give Netanyahu any resources or any funds to keep this going or whatever people saying he, he does, whatever he's supposed to do as the president, it's still going to be up to the people to stop this. You know, because what if Netanyahu says, OK, we're going to have a ceasefire, we can have an exchange and then some some offshoot group 
from Hamas just says, no, we're not down with it. We're just going to start an attack on this, you know, group over here. And we'll just keep, you know, it's going to be up to the other people say, no, we're not going to, we are not going to retaliate in that way. And I don't know, Carter, this is really important to me. I don't know if um, two generations are going to be able to look beyond this. I really think that, that, that Israelis have lost Two gen- lost at least a generation of uh, Palestinians who are never who are never going to recover from this as far as their memories and never forget this. Uh, I totally agree with you on that one. Ten away from the top, they are Brandon. Uh, tweet question: Twitter says, "Why was Putin referring to Ukraine as Nazis? Are both are they both white supremacist nations?" Um, because there was support as Nazis uh, ran over Europe. Um, there were there were factions in countries that supported. I mean, you know, um, the there were uh, there's a good chunk of France that uh, that you know that, that were in support of the Nazis and actually set up the Vichy the, the government, you know, to be on that side. So that's why it's you know wars. Um, you know, there are allies and there are. There are adversaries, and you know when people ally themselves with certain lines. Yeah, that's that's what he's talking about, by the way. You know, when you if you're going to color a whole group of people, and I'm not saying that you know the center of that part of Europe doesn't have um, doesn't have roots in white supremacy. I just I just we just went on for about 15 minutes about that, but you know the idea is. What are we seeing in what's being replayed? What is what what if you look at fascism, you look at how Mussolini came up, what's being replayed and how Mussolini came up? The man mentioned Mussolini that, you know, this is the same thing as Mussolini and Trump. It's not really because Mussolini uh, fashioned a coalition. There were some Jews. There's a very famous uh, Jewish person who was one. He was uh, one of the top. Um, he's one of the uh, top advisors until. Things got too hot, you know what I'm saying? Well, fascism it grew the strongest in in the most Catholic nations in the world. You see what I'm saying? Germany, Italy, and 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 Spain, because there's a, there was a connection. There's a religious connection there, but not just that. Mussolini played on. Think about what they all talked about, or at least two of them. Mussolini talked about the great. You know that bundle, uh, that bundle around that axe. That was that fashion. So he talked about his Roman roots or the nation's Roman roots. You know, here comes Hitler talking about the nation's Germanic roots, the the runes, the pride. You know, this was the Third Reich. The first one was when the power of Rome sat in Germany. The second one was with the Kaiser, and this was this was going to be the third one. So they were, you know, this was a discussion that they had on how to build. This up. It's not the same thing that's happening now. It's just it's not. And I think trying to get people to stay home from voting him. Do you think the do you think that any of this is going to be better under Trump? The person who put who put our uh, our embassy in Jerusalem? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah, that's, that's a rhetorical question there. But we got to take a short break. When we come back though. 
I'll let you analyze. What do you think it would take for the folks uh, on the Trump train? I'm talking about the black folks, actually, the white folks. I think some of the white folks are on the Trump train. It's, it's solely racist. The, you know, it, well, that's why mm -hmm. they're a member of the Trump team, straight up. Mm -hmm. But for the brothers mm -hmm. who, and sisters who are, who are sort of confused, who think that they're, they're different, that uh, the Trumpsters treat them differently just because they wear I, I love Donald Trump shirts and that kind of thing, think they're different from the rest of us. Mm -hmm. What's it going to take to wake them up? That's the question I have for you. And I'll let you respond when we get back from the short break. Family, you want to join this conversation with Brandon? Hit us up at 800-450-7876. I'll take your phone calls in four minutes from here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If in the DMV, we're on 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Where information is power. Keep I thank you, family, for staying with us a minute after the top of the hour. Momentarily, we're speaking with one of our top scholars, Dr. Milana Karangabar. Right now we're with the political blogger, Brandon, discussing politics, of course. And before Brandon answers my question about the black folks supporting uh, Donald Trump, uh, Gary in uh, Hampton, which has a question or comment for you. Good morning, Gary. Yes, good morning, Gary from Hampton, Virginia. Rich Gary, from New York, like, like uh, Carl. But anyway, my question is, Carl, you asked Brandon, how can we, you, whatever, sway the people that's uh, thinking about supporting Trump think democratically? But my point is, like me, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm independent. You say on Fridays, think for yourself. These people, if they decide to vote the other way, let let them do whatever they want to do. And like for me, I'm a I'm a do I'm a be okay whether Trump gets elected. Or whoever gets elected, I'm gonna be okay. My finances are in order. That's my point. Okay, and Brandon, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, Brandon. Um, I, I think Is Brandon there. Yeah, I'm here. Hello, 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 hello. Go hello. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um. I think that we shouldn't spend any energy on on uh, worrying about I, I kind of agree with him um also but it's a there's, there's a lot more at stake than than just our personal well no our personal finances are at stake uh trump had a, an abysmal um um economy but more than that he lied about covid for four months or at least three he lied about it said it'd be gone said it, it's only going to have a couple of people here and a couple of people there. And he kept uh, comparing himself to President Obama, Obama's reaction um, of the H1N1 uh, virus. And so he and he and he kept saying, well, that, you know, he lost 12,000 people and blah, blah, blah. And you have a person who was more worried about his ego than leading the nation. It had a direct effect on us. As a matter of fact, we lost, I think, one point between one point two and one point six. I don't, I don't know which number is more accurate these days um, in in deaths from this thing. And we we it, it's taken Biden to do certain things to get the, the economy still stronger. But I'm going to tell you something, Carl. Um, Japan is in what what was called an accidental recession, and China had to stop trading a week and a half ago. They had to stop trading on the market because they were experiencing a very fast slump that could have turned into something worse. Now it hasn't become a, a contagion, 
But you need to have someone who's willing to try to lead rather than someone who's – that's really important because maybe somebody's personal finances are okay enough now for now. All that can change. If we've seen that happen, Carl, you and I both lived through you know, the barren times and boons and, and uh, uh, busts. And we've seen people you know, who thought they were going to buy tracts of homes in Detroit or in Atlanta or in these other places when things were on the build, when there was a bear market, and all of a sudden – you know, things got turned upside down, and it's really important to have the right leadership in this. I, I, in my opinion, I also, I also have to say this about um, the Middle East. Carl has on experts. I have to I, – I cannot say this enough. This is my opinion, but I also believe that we should have, you know, very open conversations about it. You know, I'm not coming at you. I've never been there. I've never lived there. You know, um, I have friends that have lived there. I have friends that have taught there. I, you know, of course, counsel them on many occasions about it. But I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to come off as a, uh, as an expert. Carl actually has people who are expert in those areas. And and some of those questions probably should, should shift to them because this is my opinion. But I do, I'm very grateful for the conversations that people want to have about what's going on because if we don't have the conversations, we ourselves are, are walking around and just ready for any misinformation that may come out and uh, and touch us. Yeah, and let me just reiterate that uh, Biden is not our savior. You know, it's not a panacea for all the problems that right. ail Black America. We got we got to be cognizant of that. You know, with these right. conversations, and, and then it gets into well, what do you well, well, what do you do? Gary mentions he's independent. Most of the folks that I know are independent. They're, they're not with either party because if either if either of these parties were doing something for us, we'd be much better off space than we are today. So, but the question mm-hmm. is, what do we do? You know, that's the question. Right. And I right. think that's what you hear in the barbershops, shops. That's you hear in in the, uh, the the salons, the sisters, the brothers. So, what is our next move? So, mm-hmm. I don't have the answers. That's why we call on the experts. Right. I like for you, Brandon. If you have an answer, what what's our next move? I think you know, um, independence is okay, but it 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 leaves you out of some very important. Um, elections. Your vote doesn't count in some of the things. Now, maybe in your local vote, maybe the independents can have have sway, you know. Um, but you need to under, the the idea of politics is, you know, basically the distribution of resources and the governance of justice. And you know, we've often had to find different ways along with elections. Like you said, the elections aren't the you know, they aren't the, the answer to everything. They aren't the – we have to uh, organize. Uh, we have to organize our communities. You have to pay attention to your local elections. You have to understand who's on your school board if that's important to you to have, you know, schools that, that function. I mean right now the Surgeon General of, of Florida, whoever that is, is very important. Why? Because they have an outbreak of measles. And because of the of the of the conspiratorial way that the governor of Florida and the Surgeon General of Florida acted towards COVID, it is now instilled. It's almost institutionalized to be lax to the point where the Surgeon General, um, I believe, it was reported that he said that it's up to the parents of whether or not they want to send their their kids to school. This is one of the most viral diseases known to man. And he's like, it's up to the parents. 
and all kinds of uh, that. See, having mm. a person like that in, in power is a political decision. It, it's putting the person who would put somebody like that, or or not even protesting that person, or not even speaking up. Those are political decisions, but it they will affect you one way or another. You dig what I'm saying? They will, even if you don't have kids, even if they don't, come, they will affect you. That's what understanding the the field of politics is. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that with us, Brandon. As I mentioned, Dr. Karenga is on deck to him momentarily. But what are you working on now? What's the, what's the next move that you are working on? The uh, my, I'm going to expand. I'm not going to call a podcast um, live streaming. Um, Nidus is going to be expanding, but I'm also getting back out there and doing the other thing in my performances to eat. <laughs> so a person has to, you know, I ain't got that Carl Nelson money. Uh, <laughs> I got I got that Brandon Bowling money. But I can I can fill the tank up once every third week. <laughs> That's what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Brandon, thank you for sharing your your, uh, your your expertise with us this morning when it comes to politics. We always appreciate you, and, and thank you again for joining us. Dig it. Take care, Carl. His brother. All right, his brother Brandon. Eight after the top of the hour. Let's, let's welcome Doctor Milana Karenga to a program now. Barigani, Doctor Karenga. Barigani, Carl. It's good to be back on your program. Asante, thanks very much. Always. Uh, for the invitation to exchange with you and speak with your audience. Yeah, because you, you are one of our top scholars, and we, there's a lot on the plate that we want to talk about black issue. We also want to talk some politics as well. But if we, before we do that, let me explain to some folks, because, you know, they don't know Dr. Karenga. They just know about Kwanzaa, his connection to Kwanzaa. But Dr. Karenga currently is the professor and chair of the Department of African Studies at Cal State Long Beach. He's also the creator of the Pan-African Cultural Holiday, Kwanzaa, and the Nguzu Saba, the Seven Principles. He's also the author of the authoritative text titled Kwanzaa, A Celebration of Family, Community, and Culture. He's of his scholar. He's the chair of the organization US and the National Association of Kawaida Organizations and the executive director of the African American Cultural Center and the Kawaida Institute of Pan-African Studies. He's also the co-chair of the Black Community Clergy and Labor Alliance, known as BCCLA. Dr. Karenga is the author of numerous scholarly articles and books, including Essays on Struggle, Position, and Analysis, Kawaida, The Questions of Life and Struggle, Ma'at, The Moral Ideal in Ancient Egypt, A Study of Classical African Ethics, Introduction to Black Studies, 4th edition, Hoesia, Sacred Wisdom and Ancient Egypt, Udia Afia, The Ethical Teachings. He's currently writing a major work on the social and ethical uh, philosophy of Malcolm X titled The Liberation Ethics of Malcolm X, Critical Consciousness, Moral Granting, and Transformative Struggle. We want to talk about Brother Malcolm. Also, Dr. Karenga is the recipient of numerous awards for scholarship, leadership, and service, including the Paul Robeson and Laura Neal Hurston Award for scholarly work on African culture and the CLR James Award for outstanding publication of scholarly works that advance the discipline of Africana and and Black Studies, and also the Presidential Award for Exemplary Service and Outstanding Contributions to the Field of Black Studies, all of this from the National Council of Black Studies. It's also the subject of a book by Dr. Malefi Asante titled Milana Karenga, An Intellectual Portrait. And on top of all of that, Dr. Karenga wrote the, the manifesto for the Million Man March and did that, uh, as many of you know, by the Million Man March. So with all having said that, Dr. Karenga, once again, good morning and welcome back to the program. 
we were talking politics before, and he, and and I, I need to talk about Brother Malcolm before and and, and uh, Black and Black History Month. But politics, where where do you see us go? What is the the issue that for for us as Black folks in America now, that given the choices that we have to represent us in November, this is where we, the, the the conversation we have with Brandon. The choices don't seem too great for us. So what, what do you think is our next move? How do, how do we move on from here? Yeah. Just saying what you said, if I understand correctly, you know you're right. It's a very difficult time. We live in dangerous, difficult, and demanding times. And here's where Haji Malcolm, you know, speaking of him, here's why it's so important for us to think deep about this. Think for ourselves, look, see for ourselves, hear for ourselves, and didn't make intelligent decisions. And so here we are at a place where we're arguing, I mean, we're, 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 we're really debating how do we demonstrate our dissatisfaction with Biden and the Democratic Party without advantaging Trump. And if we put it like that, we're back again to just waiting and hoping something doesn't happen we can't handle. And it seems to me that we have to approach this um, election just like we would any other. The first and foremost thing we have to do is understand it's not really about candidates per se, but about policy and about what kind of conditions will be created by whoever becomes president. Conditions that will facilitate our continued struggle. Because no matter who wins, and uh, uh, President Obama's election demonstrates that, no matter who wins, we're still going to have to struggle, right? We're going to have to continue to struggle, keep the faith, hold the line. And remember, we are our own liberators, and that a people that cannot save itself is lost forever. So the first thing we have to do is know that we have to vote. I mean, don't use this as an excuse not to vote. And we have to vote for several reasons. Number one, because it's our right and responsibility to make our decisions known and to be able to participate in every decision that affects our destiny and daily lives. Second, we have to vote because people fought and died to, you know, achieve this right. And to actually, when I say achieve right, I don't mean we didn't have the right before. We had a right for freedom of speech before. But we have to defend it. We have to regain it. Like we have to regain our freedom. It's not like we didn't have freedom before, but we have to reclaim it, regain it. And that requires struggle. And so people gave their lives to do this as part of our black freedom movement in the 60s. Another thing is this is a basic way to make policy. If we're not there, our business is not there, right? We have to be represented in these policy uh, uh, forums. Because this is where racism expresses itself as turning hatred and hostility into public policy and socially sanctioned practice called law and social policy, et cetera. So I think it's very important for us to understand we have to be there. We have to be present. And then, of course, you can tell how important it is because how much time the Republicans tried to deny us space. I mean, just think about the things they've gone through in recent years. I mean, certainly gerrymandering all the time, right? Also, hey, uh, 
Uh, fear. Right, right, right. Hold that thought right there, Dr. Kringle. We've got to take a short break here. Hold that thought for me. I'll let you pick it up on okay. what the Republicans are doing. And, and, and let me just add, by no stretch of the imagination is Dr. Kringle a Republican, but he's just laying out some facts for us. So that's what we do on this program. We just lay out the facts and hopefully you have enough uh, education to make up your own mind. 800-450-7876. If you'd like to speak to Dr. Kringle, reach out to us and, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power. And good morning, family. 21 minutes after the top there, one of our top scholars, Dr. Milana Karenga, is on, this, on with us this morning and discussing. We're going to talk about black history. We're going to talk about Brother Malcolm because uh, Dr. Karenga is working on. Uh, working on a project about Dr. Malcolm, but we're picking up where we left with Brennan on the politics issue, because now it seems like many of us are confounded what to do come November. The choices we have are not the greatest. So, Dr. Karenga, I'm going to let you finish your thought here. Yeah, well, appreciate what you uh, said, Carl Feinstein, correctly. Yeah, the choices are a problem. And as I said, what we have to do is not find ourselves on the sideline where things are just happening. And we have to study history. Uh, Haji Malcolm said, of all our studies, history is best prepared to reward, uh, best qualified to reward all our research. And one of the things we learn is that these debates, these discussions have had happened before us, that we're always standing here. And with some people thinking we're choosing the uh, least of the worst or something similar to that. But what I want us to do is speak from our own point. We have to ask ourselves, what are the conditions and capacities that we can best achieve according to who's in office and who's not in office and what circumstance we're working with? But I want to talk about alternative parties, too, but I want to finish with this voting thing because it's so important to us. And one of the things I had said is that we have a right and responsibility, just to recap, right and responsibility to vote. Second, that we vote because it's a hard-won um, uh, victory for us uh, to reaffirm our right to speak for ourselves and to participate in every decision, directly or indirectly, that affects our destiny and daily lives. And third, this is a critical site of public policy. This is where the racists <clears throat> can uh, actually turn their hatred and hostility into public policy uh, and socially sanctioned practice. We have to resist that. The fourth thing is that... We cannot collaborate in our own oppression. There is no neutrality. There's no neutrality in this struggle uh, for freedom and justice, right, and equity. There's no neutrality. So when you stand to the side, that adds to the oppressor's power. And so we must resist. And again, as I was saying, you can tell how important the voting is by how, how the Republicans have gone through throughout the history. But in last years, even more so to prevent us from voting. I mean, imagine some of the worst things, like, for example, making it against the law for somebody to bring uh, water to people standing in the heat all day, right? First they said we didn't want to vote, and we didn't vote. Now we vote, then they try to stop us from doing it, sending police cars around, checking people, making identification more uh, difficult, uh, searching the roads and purging people uh, arbitrarily. Uh, and even having <clears throat> the ex-president uh, trying to reverse 
uh, our victories, you know, and they can tell. I mean, look how what we did in Georgia, you know, delivering that, ending the reign of Mitch McConnell, right? At the same time, electing the first black from there, from Georgia, and the first Jew. And we, we've done that. We have opened up America in a way no people have. And I don't want to say other people haven't, but we, we're unique because black people in the racial system on the bottom in any movement we make affects everybody else. And so what you have here is black people opening the way, expanding the realm of freedom in this country. And we cannot stop now. And we've got to fight as our foremother, non-offending Lou Hamer said, there's nothing symbolic about our elections. We are fighting for our lives. It's the issues at stake, as you know, are food security, clean water, health care, housing, employment, adequate income, education, restraining police violence, reconceiving public safety, immigration. And a lot of times black people don't even know that's about us because a lot of times the European just advertises the Latino but even some of the Latinos, as you know, are Africans, too. So we have immigration, fair taxation, poverty reduction uh, with Reverend Barber and all of those people fighting in that, in that battlefield. And a just and sensible international policy that we're talking about now, you know, like stopping America from uh, the complicity and genocide against the Palestinian people. And I take this. I hope we get a chance to talk about it. I want to praise the AME Church for the Council of Bishops for taking that strong uh, stand that they did. You know, uh, um, 900 faith leaders had before, you know, said something about this. It took out a, a whole-page ad asking for uh, and demanding a ceasefire. But the AME Church, uh, Council of Bishops, went even further. They called what Israel was doing mass genocide. They condemned the U.S. complicity. They also called for a ceasefire. And they called for a cease to funding Israel in its genocidal war and its oppression of the Palestinian people. And that carried our, reaffirmed our role as a moral and social vanguard in this country. So we have to participate. We have to halt environmental degradation, if I can just go on, for example, all these policies in the health and well-being of not only us and humanity, but the planet itself. You know, the people are killing the earth, and guess where they're dumping most of their waste? And guess who is more affected by this destruction of the environment, this ecocide that they're committing? It's black people and poor people, and we have to fight on every level. And that's the last point I want to make is that we have to vote because voting is another battle line. Haji Malcolm said that wherever black people are, it's a battle line. But whether you're in the east or the west or north or the south, really, whether you're in the north or the south, the east or the west, you and I are in a country that is a battle line for all of us. And Haji and Nana Paul Robeson said that, you know, the battlefront is everywhere. There is no sheltered rear, right? So, again, what we're doing is making the decision about who, what is going to be the best conditions for us to develop, to sustain ourselves, to develop, and to continue this liberation struggle, this freedom struggle, uh, to achieve all those things I said early. And I think it's very important for us to talk about it. Now, here's some of the ways we can participate and show our resistance to Biden. The first thing we can do 
does not support him in the primary. We can also vote, especially in the primary, for uh, candidates like uh, Dr. Cornell West. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, I'm here. Have we dropped uh, Dante Karenga's call? All right, see if we can get him back. Uh, yeah, because this is an interesting uh, conversation here we're going. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was really listening intently to what Dr. Karenga was saying. And, and also, I want to ask him when he gets back, you know, what would Malcolm think about the situations that we're going through right now? Because uh, now, we, we, as we mentioned, and we all know the choices are not great that we have in November, but what do we do? Uh, Dr. Cronin says we got to get involved, and, we, we, and he's outlining the moves that we should be making. Because many of us have figured and neither of these candidates are appealing to us. Let's be real. Let's, uh, you know, it, but it, and then you don't want to even say that you're going to vote for the lesser of two evils. But then you've got to think in, you know, you, you've got to be critical in thinking how. What, what do you do? Is, is a vote against Trump or is a vote for Biden? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you process all of that? That's that's what we're trying to work on, and that's so hopefully. Dr. Karenga can help us out with that. And, and how would Brother Malcolm, what would he, what, what direction would he say? Because, you know, he'd have a lot to say when it comes to this particular situation. Because it's not the first time it's happened. It's just so blatant right now on both sides because it's, it's before it was really subtle. And, and now it's, it's, it's just straight up in the open. You got one candidate told you he doesn't like you. He's not going to do anything for you. And, and he patronizing another side is, is patronizing towards you. And, and you, you've got to nudge him and make him do what you want to do or do things for us. And, and that's, and that's a major issue here. But, you know, hopefully Dr. Corinne could, could help us out because these are discussions that are taking place in our barbershops and in our beauty salons. Where do we go from here? What's our next move? And part of the problem is we don't have, you know, before we had people like Malcolm or we had Martin to sort of show us the way they would come out and say, Hey, Family, this is what this is the next move. This is what they're trying to do to you. This is what we need to do. This is how we carve our, our slice of the pie. But right now, we we sort of we don't have that the person who can do that or say that for us. And I'm not saying if that's a good idea or a bad idea, because we don't have we don't have you know lacking in leadership, if you will, either political and socially. We don't have any persons out there who can analyze the situation. We left it to the talking heads to analyze the situation, and they usually analyze it from from their point of view, not from our point of view. We don't have anybody who's really looking at. Hey, this is what black folks. This is this is this is where this is where we come in. This is this is what we need to do. This is this is for our survival. It doesn't matter what they because they're thinking about their survival. But what about our survival? What what do we have to do? Do they need us anymore? You bet they do need us. Both sides need us. Trump needs, a, a, at least he says he needs like 21% of the black vote to, for him to win. Biden needs a majority of the black vote to win. So, of course, we're, we're, we're a premium as, as, as voting is concerned. 
Not voting helps one side and, and the other. That's what Dr. Karenga was pointing out. So obviously you've got to cast your ballot. And then the other issue, too, is, is the down ballot because you've got local elections, too, that affect you directly. You've got, you've got, to, you've got to deal with that as well. And the issue of, of what's going on in Gaza. I know a lot of people are upset with that, especially when you look at, uh, at Michigan. Michigan is in play now because of what's going on in Gaza. Donald Trump has told the Arabs he, he doesn't care for them. You know, he's told them straight up. He's, but then you have uh, Arabs in, in God in in uh, Arab Americans in Michigan who say they're not going to vote for for they're not going to vote for for uh, Biden. So, so they're in a bind, a bind as well. So they haven't figured out this what's what's it going to do? Because one says it's not helping, the other one says I'm not going to help you either. So what are you going to do? Vote for the one that's not going to help you either? Cut off your nose to spite your face? This is this is what's the dilemma that's facing us as a people, family. This is why we have uh, experts like Dr. Karenga come on and explain what's our next move. Because it, it seems like we're all, oh man, what, what do we do here? What are our choices? What's going to happen? You know, but Dr. Karenga says he did say that we have to vote. We have to participate, and that's good. But listen, we've got to take a short break. We come back. We'll, I'll let Dr. Karanger explain what he, you know, the choices are and what the moves that we should make, because this is where we're lacking. We're lacking leadership to explain to us what's really going on. Family, you want to join this conversation? you got a question for Dr. Karanger? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876 and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 W-O-L, or information is power. And good morning once again, family. 22 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Dr. Milana Karenga, one of our top scholars, discussing where do we go from here now? We figured out we've got a, an issue with the candidates running for office in November. One of the things that Dr. Karenga says, we do have to vote. And also, we want to figure out what would Brother Malcolm do with this particular situation? You got some folks who want to speak to Dr. Karenga. Before we go back to him, let me remind you, some of the folks stopping by this week include clinical psychologist Dr. Jerome Fox. You know him from his best-selling workbook, Addicted to White, The Oppressed in league with the oppressor, also activist uh, physician, Dr. Velva Bowles who returns, and also futuristic researcher, Brother Siddiqui Bakari, and the Grill, Professor James Small. They're all going to be here this week, so if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Dr. Kringle, uh, what, so what, uh, you were telling us that you know, of course, we should vote. We should participate. But what do we do? And who, you know, people like it directly. They want to, who do we vote for? How do we, how do, and how do we, and how do we, you know, justify who we're supporting? The reality is that we need to create a new discourse and a new movement, political movement that seeks to use our vote in the way that Haji Malcolm and others have told us and use it strategically, right? But if it's already tied up to the Democrats, the best you can do is either vote for them mindlessly and hope they'll uh, be responsive to us, or we can uh, stay away and ensure that we'll get less than we could get by struggling and fighting. And what I wanted to do is talk about creating alternatives. And I think the uh, Dr. West, is uh, uh, an important alternative, not necessarily because he's going to win and replace the white people running now. Right? That's, I, I understand the balance of power in the country. But what I'm saying is that 
We cannot mindlessly just support the Democrats, hope something don't happen we can't handle, or go to the Republicans, even though they're talking of vicious and savage racism and practicing it uh, every day. So this real, we got a problem here in that the white people, the majority of white people are not sensitive to our needs and to the needs of people of color. And, and when I say sensitive, I mean they don't appreciate that we have the same rights as they do. We have the same human needs as they do. They got some other understanding of life right. But we, in terms of the common humanity, we have the same rights, the same needs. And I think it's very important for us to always think resistance. A lot of times we think whining and we complaining. But the question is, what is to be done in the face of this? Nana Harriet Tubman, right? She could say, oh, this is never going to change. We're in the, this Holocaust of enslavement. It's been over here 100 years, 200. It's going to continue to be. Oh, we have to create free space where we are. And every opportunity is a call to battle. If what Haji Malcolm said, Nana Haji Malcolm says is true, which I believe it, that everywhere black people are is a battle line, then we, as we say in the organization, us, we say, if every place is a battle line, then every, everywhere a battle line, every day a call to struggle. Everywhere a battle line and every day a call to struggle. And so let me just give you an example of what we can do. So uh, uh, Dr. Cornell West is running on third party. And people say, oh, he's going to spoil. But listen to the racist reasoning behind that. He's not spoiling anything. It's the white people that are deciding who goes. It's not if more black people would have voted for Hillary Clinton, she would have won. It's if more white people would have voted. Why are they picking on us? If more gay people would have voted. If more uh, 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 suburban, suburbanites would have voted. If more women would have voted. Look at the women. Look at the Jewish community, 25% voting for Trump. Why, why are we talking about that? Why are we talking the pathology of the dominant society about black people? So let's go with uh, Cornell. And we're, we're talking about opening space for us, and we'll never open space for us, for our, our, our needs, our interests to be considered unless we demonstrate the power to reward or to punish. That in, in American politics, you have to have the capacity to either reward people or punish them. And if you can't do that, hey, you're on the side just whining and carrying on. So first of all, he has a right. Second, he raises critical issues that we need in the terms of a new discourse about what is going on and how we can change it, right? It's beyond the personal attack, beyond the closet searching, looking for stitching, staying on the personal level that these people engage in. And it talks about us, the world the environment, et cetera. It also will uh, expand the activist community that we need, involving people who are inactive, but also people who are alienated, like we're here now on the conversation. People are alienated from because they don't see no way forward. But if you get involved, you can see a way. You can make a way if you begin uh, to, in fact, engage that. And then, of course, uh, Cornell brings, uh, Dr. West brings a, a criticism of the system, right? The pathology of oppression is discussed at length. And people then say, hey, here's an opening for us. Here's what we can be doing. Also, it compels the Democrats to take notice and to not take us for granted. 
because they've got to talk to the people they want to believe in denying them the chance to win in silence and without conceding anything except uh, to kill people uh, thousands of miles away. You know what I mean? And taking their resources and supporting genocide. So I think it's very important for us to have that conversation. And again, keep in mind, it increases our leverage and it finally teaches possibility. Because what black people need more than anything else constantly is a sense of possibility. When you ask the question, where do we go from here? You're asking, what is possible? What is possible? And then what is probable? What is most likely? What is most beneficial? And we can do that. So here's Here's what I think we need to do. All of us need to register, right? All of us need to vote. All of us need to, in fact, register so we can register our dissatisfaction and dissent and distaste in the primary, right? Then we develop a negotiation strategy with the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. They're not going to change, but, you know, some blacks are going to be into that. So they at least ought to fight from that point. My position is that at this point, only a, a third party and a Democrat have any, anything to say that we actually can use, right, and that we can use to increase our capacity to live a good and meaningful life on those issues I talked about now in terms of housing, health care, uh, guaranteed in, income and, and employment, those kinds of things, uh, uh, defense of the environment and all those other things. So. I want us to get beyond just having to vote for the Democrats or the Republicans. I want us to think beyond that, and we'll never be able to think beyond that unless people open the way for that kind of thinking, and I think we need more of that. The people in Detroit, pardon me, I should say in all of Michigan, right, especially the Muslim and uh, Christian Arab community, because the Arabs are both Muslim and Christian uh, in Palestine, they are Christians as well as uh, Muslims. In, in fact, Israel bombed the churches and the mosques, right? The heritage centers, the hospital, the ambulances, et cetera. You know, that's the genocide thing. So what, what happens is they're going to do in Michigan, they're going to um, write in, you know, a criticism of Biden, right? They're going to vote, but they're going to let Biden know and let his posters know and let his campaign manager and his strategist know he's not going to win unless he responds uh, to them. And we've got to do the same thing. If they want to win, they should be able to negotiate us. But if we negotiate with us, but if they, if we don't vote and we're not in there, we're not active, we're alienated, inactive, on the side, hey, catch you next time. The question is about power. And power is the ability to realize your will, even in the face of opposition. We need power. That's what we said in the 60s. That's what I'm for. You know, my position, our position, the organization, us, is unbudging blackness. Unbudging blackness. We don't change with the seasons. We're constant soldiers. Right? Soldiers for all seasons, even in winter. <laughs> all right. Hold that thought right there, uh, Dr. Karenga. 12 away from the time there. Charles is calling from Maryland has a question for you. He's on line one. Charles, good morning. You're on with Dr. Karenga. Uh, yeah. Good morning, Brother Quasi. And... Thank you, Brother Karinga, for Kwanzaa, if nothing else that you've ever done for us. And if we adopt Kwanzaa seven days a week, all year long, this problem will be fixed overnight. Now, Brother, I'm just, you, you talked about Malcolm. Malcolm 
had an attitude of cry tears for yourself. When he was in the election, he said, you don't have no time to cry for no Jews when he was spoken, speaking of the Holocaust. When we was at that Million Man March, Brother Karinga, and we had to stop the killing rally at the D.C. Armory, I didn't see Palestinians and I didn't see Jews. It was the Million Man March. It wasn't the Million Black Man March. And I didn't see them standing with us. Just like right now, there's no outcry for the black-on-black crime. Minister Farrakhan said yesterday at Savior's Day, if you don't sympathize with what's happening to the Palestinian people, you have lost your humanity. And I agree, but I disagree with that statement at the same time. It's not that we don't have sensitivity to killing, but it's time that we get some kind of relief when it comes to black-on-black killing. There is no outcry from the Arabs and any other race for what is happening to our babies in the street. Matter of fact, and it's the last comment because it's kind of long, we see with Brother Dick Gregory, long live his spirit, and, and Joe Madison as well, when we discovered that the CIA and the FBI was bringing guns and drugs in here, when our two brothers discovered that, nothing has been done about that. No arrests have been made. So where's the outcry for our suffering? And, and I just want you to address that. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah. All right, Charles, Thank let's you. give him a chance. Thanks, Charles. Yeah. Dr. Thank Karenga. you, Charles. I appreciate it, Charles. And, and I like your passion, and I like your concern that black people be recognized and be reciprocally supported. And so let me try to answer that, you know, um, because I think it's important. It's a central question in black people's mind, who will help us. So let's start with what you first said. Yes, uh, if people would practice, not just Kwanzaa, but the Nguzo Saba, and I know that's what you meant, the seven principles, Umoja, unity, Kujichagalia, self-determination, Ujima, collective work and responsibility, Ujamaa, cooperative economics, shared work and wealth, Right. And then uh, uh, Nia, purpose, Uber, creativity, any mind and faith. Yes, we could change our lives. Right. And so we need to do that. And it's not just in this country, but it's throughout the world. African community celebrated on every continent in the world throughout the world, African community. So, yes. The second thing you said is that Haji Malcolm said <clears throat> in, uh, we have to cry tears for ourselves. Right. And we do need to appreciate ourselves and we have to think of ourselves first. But if we only think of ourselves, what kind of people are we? This is what C.T. Vivian said to the white man. What kind of people are y'all, you know? And he was talking about their savage selfishness, right? Their savage selfishness. They don't care for anybody but themselves, right? 
and they think they're chosen. They think they're elect. They think they are this or that, right? And so they believe everybody's supposed to serve their interests, right? So we have to resist that. So I think that, uh, uh, as you said, Minister, Falcon, Minister Farrakhan uh, is right. That's our ethical tradition, uh, that we, if we don't feel for genocide, uh, people suffering genocide, any people suffering genocide, we don't feel we've lost a bit of our humanity. I mean, we, I, I mean people cry for dogs dying. Right, and we can't feel anything for the Palestinians. I mean, that's something. That's our oppressor teaching us that, and our position is that our oppressor cannot be our teacher. They don't feel it, and they teach us not to feel it. Right? What I'm saying is what Garvey said: race first. When I say race, I'm not talking about what the white man calls race. That is a system he set up, a sociobiological category used to assign human worth and social status with him at the head of it. No, I'm talking about peoplehood. I'm just using race as a convenience for conversation. But whenever I say it, I mean peoplehood, African people, black people, right? And so what happens here is that we have to have our people first because what? We are all liberated. If we can't save ourselves, we can't save anybody else. But while we're saving ourselves, one of the things we have to do is build alliances. And this is clear if you look at the history. Okay, so let's ask about what has the Palestinians done for us. And so if you look at it and you remember Nana, uh, Nelson Mandela, remember I, put, I try to put Nana in front of all the ancestors who've gone. It's just honored one, right? So Nana and Nelson Mandela told the Jews and the right-wing Christians, the right-wing Jews and right-wing Christians, that he embraced the Palestinians because the Palestinians embraced him. Because they're fighting for self-determination, and they helped us in South Africa. And I identify with all African people, right? So when I say us, I'm just, as a Pan-Africanist, I'm identifying with Africans. So he said, you know, the, the Palestinians stood up for us when the Jews in Israel, were, not the Jews, but the Israelis were actually helping the white South Africans, the Boers, build nuclear power, and also giving the police tactics to kill and, and, and torture and to, you know, um, uh, disrupt uh, black life in a horrible way called apartheid, which now has, of course, been ruled a crime against humanity, right? And so they, uh, when Nelson got out, one of the first things he did was invited uh, uh, President Everett, the head of the um, um, uh, um, government, the president of, of Palestine, right? Uh, and the chair of the PLO, right? So that's just reciprocal, right? They gave the, uh, right. the Palestinians. Well, that's gave- all right there, Dr. Karenga, and we'll pick it up when we get back. We've got to take another short break here, six minutes away from the top of our family. I guess it's Dr. Milana Karenga. you got a question about this, what's going on, or how we should proceed come November, and what, how the Palestinian uh, issue uh, dovetails into all of this. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run on FM. 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL or information is power. And good morning once again, family. Minute after the top of that with our guest, Dr. Milana Karenga. Most of you know him, the, the creator of Quantum, but he's much more deeper than that. He's one of our top scholars. So, Dr. Karenga, I'm going to let you finish your thought. You're telling us what you should do coming up this fall. Yes. 
I, I, I wanted, if I may, I want to, I'll do it quicker, but I wanted to just tell my brother also that Haji Malcolm X met with and reaffirmed his support and it's in his writing for the Palestinian liberation struggle. And he did this as we were taught during the 60s by him and others that we have to see links between all the oppressed and struggling peoples of the world. Uh, all of our people have told us, Dr. W, Nana, Dr. W. Du Bois, Nana Mary McClavethun, who said to us, you know, we're war historical people. We have to think like that, that our task, I quote her here, our task is to remake the world. It is nothing less than that because we're never safe if everybody else is oppressed and we believe we can be free here. And we know that freedom is indivisible. That's what our foremother Nana Harriet Tubman taught us when she turned back around, having escaped. She turned back around. She felt that the freedom was unfinished. She had to have the other people because otherwise she doesn't have freedom. So she turned back around and redefined freedom from individual escape to the collective practice of self-determination in and for a community. And so also the Palestinians uh, uh, gave us tactics and strategies during the struggle for Ferguson, which was the spark that ignited a series of revolts across the country. So we we have a long relationship with the Palestinians. And I wanted to just end by saying all of our interests are against genocide and war, as Dr. King said, that waste so many lives, destroy the land, and appropriate resources we could use to end poverty, to end this struggle you're talking about in the black community. And I want to close by saying, look, let's not borrow language from our present. Black on black crime. We never call white crime white on white crime. We, we, what, what the white man does when he gives us the word black crime, he's racializing crime. And when you racialize crime, you can criminalize the race. And whatever you do to them, people will understand it. So what do we do with this internal internecine struggle, which happens in every oppressed community in the world, right? People turn inward because they are uh, frustrated, thwarted. A lot of them think they're oppressed, right? And so what we have to do is build on, first of all, redefine what we're talking about. It's not a black problem. It's an American problem that has been imposed on black people, and we have to say that. The mafia, whether it's the Jewish mafia, the uh, uh, Russian mafia, the Italian mafia, uh, the Polish, whoever they, the people they call mafia, never people say they're just that. They always say it's an American problem. They don't say you know, y'all, you, you, Italians got to get yourself together. They, America has to do it. So we have to demand that America aid in solving the problem it's created. And you remember how all this started with the drug import that the United States imposed on us, right, during the 80s, and how they began to destroy the community and began to increase mass incarceration and structured unemployment. We've got to talk about it in a systemic way. Otherwise, we end up. Barring the pathological uh, language from our oppressor, that's always going to start with our indictment. It's y'all, you know, you killing each other. No, the system is setting it up for the killing, right? We didn't, we didn't manufacture drugs. They brought them in here, right? They're the ones who did. They're the ones who arrested us. They're the ones who gave us longer sentences than anybody else, right? They're the ones that kill us in the street, that follow us and teach that violence is the way to live. And we cannot let our oppressor be our teacher. We cannot emulate them. We must resist them at every space. 
council. And so that's what we need to build these structures and to build a black united front to handle these. And we talked about that in the Million Man March uh, Day of Absent, a mission statement. So, yeah, thanks so much for the question. And thanks for being on it and being committed to change it. Join the organizations that are working on it. There's a lot of black groups that are working on this. So I don't want us to say nothing's being done. They just need more people, more resources. And part of those resources have to come from the taxes we pay. But if you don't vote and you don't get in there, nobody will ever do anything for you. It's 20, uh, let me see, six uh, six after the top of the hour, it's 26th of February. This is the day that... uh, that uh, Trayvon Martin was killed. So I just want to remember brother Trayvon Martin, shout out to Trayvon Martin as now an ancestor, but what he did changed lives, even though he's no longer here and he yeah. deserves to be remembered. So today, just remember folks, this is the day that they found out that uh, uh, Trayvon Martin was killed in Florida, in Sanford, Florida. 800-450-7876. Brother Haki's joined us. He's in Baltimore. He's on line three. Brother Haki, a question for Dr. Karenga. Thank you, Carl, and uh, thank you, Baba, Dr. Karenga. Um, and I first I say I appreciate you joining uh, the call this Saturday with uh, Dr. Ron Daniels. Um, great yeah. conversation on Malcolm X. Uh, my question or comment question, I do have a question as well. You know, when speaking of Malcolm uh, X and even in terms of you know contemporary politics, I'm gonna bridge those together. You know, I've been to Kenya and um, Tanzania over the past few years, and many people uh, were concerned with Trump. Now, my understanding, Malcolm X um, went to the African Union, and so um, once, and of course, the United Nations. And um, I'm, I'm asking because I've organizing to work to after this election i believe that many african leaders are concerned about um the the direction of where a potential uh president a potential trump election would lead and so um we're we're organizing to go to ethiopia to Addis to organize and to have these create these discussions from a diaspora perspective uh, to discuss what, where we go from here. And so in the if you can put it in the context, uh, you know, just even a history lesson for me. So we're, we're doing this in November after the elections, of course, uh, you know, teaching artists Institute, but if you can contextually share just the, the, the role that what Malcolm did when he went to the African Union, if, you know, you can elaborate on that. And so I thank you, and I want to follow up with you. I believe I don't want this to be a my thing or me thing, but a collectivity uh, thing that that we need to do each and every four years if we go to the African Union. We need to go after the election so that they can hear from black people here in the belly of the beast. So thank you. Yeah, both. Appreciate what you said, if I understand correctly. I think it's so much important, Haki. Thanks so much for your question and for your concern. And we wish you the best uh, in your trip there. And I wanted to say about uh, our brother Trayvon, Nana uh, Trayvon, um, may, may the joy he brought and the good he left last forever. And we tried to honor him by ending the situation that led to his death. And that is police violence 
and the systemic racism that has a depraved disregard for black life. We have to change this, and we have to fight on every battlefield, and the elections become a battlefield also. We have to fight in the schools. We have to fight in the religious institutions. We have to fight in the corporate structures. We have to fight in the communities, in the larger society. We have to fight everywhere. There is no space that does not require our struggling to expand the realm of human freedom and justice and goodness in the world. So that's my position on that. Now, in terms of Haji Malcolm and the Nana, Haji Malcolm and the AOU, he really looked for that to be a major organization that eventually did what the African Union does, and that is um, uh, make us a sixth uh, region and begin to build bridges, uh, economic bridges, political bridges, culture bridges, right? And he wanted us to recognize our unity as a world-encompassing community, a world community. And the first thing he asked the African, uh, the OAU to do, it was OAU then, the Organization of African Unity. Um, he asked them to help him take America before the UN and to charge it with genocide and to charge it with apartheid. And he said, you know, if you can, if you can take uh, Portugal to, but what is it doing in the colonies that it controlled at that time? If you can take South Africa uh, to court, the, the white South African government to court for what it's doing to uh, the African people in, uh, of South Africa, then we have to be able to take them to court for what they're doing to us. And one of the reasons, of course, they increase the need to and activities to uh, assassinate him and create uh, his martyrdom, uh, the basis for his martyrdom, is that uh, he was uh, doing this kind of international work. And that's a work that's unfinished, and we need to reaffirm that. And one of the things I think, I always say this, and I think it's very important for us, never, Brother Haki and, and all the sisters and brothers listening, never talk as if nothing is already being done. Before you go, ask, what are the groups that are, in fact, already out there doing work and have been doing work for years? What are those? I mean, we used to always praise Trans-Africa, right, for what it was doing, major advocacy. But what are the other groups that are out there? What groups do we know? Before we go, let's talk with them, see what they're doing. Because what we need to do is work together. I know people say the people that pray together work together. For us, but actually, you know, people can pray and they can get up and not do anything. I'm not attacking prayer now. Don't nobody go away saying I'm doing it. But as a prelude... And a postscript to prayer, let's include some practice, right? And so it's like our friend Luhemus said, you can pray all you want, but if you don't get up and do something, it's not going to work. So in the final analysis, let's turn prayer into practice. That's the best. That's, well, that's one of the best forms of prayer is practice righteousness and goodness in the world. And so the first thing I would suggest is that you identify the groups, especially in your area, in the D.C. area, and then across the country that are doing good things, right? And, like, for example, I'll just take one. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm prejudiced against or don't give credit to others, but just take uh, Mel Foote, Melvin Foote in the constituency for Africa, long-term work, 
doing basic projects. You know, I'm a I'm a grand theorist and I'm a grand project person, and I always do that. But he does small things like getting water for the people, getting food for the people, trees, things like that. People that need basic things every day, that's what builds our community, right? And so we've got to ask, how can we organize African Americans here? And here's again, for us to have a world consciousness, I know it's hard sometimes, right? But we can never imagine ourselves alone. That's what the oppressor wants us to imagine. He doesn't want us to be a relationship, not just with the Palestinians, but with anybody. He wants to tell us who we are. And one of the greatest powers, I've said this a million times, one of the greatest powers in the world is a power to define reality and make others accept it even when it's to their disadvantage, right, and contributes to their oppression. It's to their advantage. It contributes to their oppression, but he made them believe it. I'm just, I just want you to see that. He wants to interpret our history. That's why he burns our book. He don't want us to know about our history as a world community. He doesn't want us to think in dignity-affirming, life-enhancing, and world-preserving ways that our ancestors taught us. So he's going to burn right. up. And hold that thought right. again, Dr. Kareem. We've got to take another short break here. So hold that thought. I'll let you pick it up when we get back. 15 after Thank the top you. there. Family back in four minutes right here with Dr. Karangal right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. Interesting morning, and thanks for staying with us all morning long. At 21 minutes after the top of the hour, our guest is Dr. Milana Karenga. Many of you know that Dr. Karenga was the one who created a Kwanzaa for us. Before we left, Dr. Karenga was telling us how the oppressor tries to create our reality. So, Dr. Karenga, I'll let you pick it up from there. Yeah, well, now, I was saying, Christian, uh, thanks so much, Carl. I was just saying that we must, as Haji Malcolm said, uh, and we pay homage to him. This is a month, of course, of his martyrdom. And I wanted to say that we say martyrdom, not just assassination. Because assassination is what the enemy, his enemies and the enemies of our people and the enemies of human freedom uh, did. But martyrdom is his self-sacrifice, offering his life and his death for us. Coming back from Africa, the Middle East where, or Western Asia, where he was accepted as a, and treated as a head of state, coming back to almost certain death to continue the struggle to keep the faith and to hold the line. So, again, as Nana Asi Davis said of him at the eulogy and honoring him, we honor the best in ourselves. So uh, may the good he left and the joy he brought last forever, and may we honor his legacy by trying as best we can to live it and to finish this fight for freedom and justice for our people throughout the world. So that's what I wanted to say, and I don't want us to uh, take the words and the ideas of the dominant society because Haji Malcolm said that, you know, with the science of image making and the use of the media, the oppressor can make the victim look like the uh, 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 criminal and the criminal look like the victim. And we can end up hating our friends and declaring love for our enemies. So I think it's very important for us, as he said, to think for ourselves, to speak for ourselves. This last point he made at a lecture in Harvard, he said the logic of the oppressed cannot be the logic of the oppressed. 
the logic of the oppressed cannot be the logic of the oppressor if the oppressed wants liberation. And we say that even if you need a logic of liberation, you also need a language to inform that logic. Otherwise, you end up self-doubting, self-indicting, self-condemning, and self-mutilating, regardless of what you want to do, because you're conceptually imprisoned. You're imprisoned by the terms you use. And so that's why I didn't want to say black crime or do those other things that people do. And one of the things I want to tell the brother when he goes, make sure you study the people that you're going to most uh, often interact with and study their custom and try as best you can to understand the history that has brought us here. So thanks for asking that question. And I I predict for you good fortune and want you to be successful. For in your success, it, it benefits all of us. We have to build these relationships. And thanks for building them. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, 25 of Zombie Hour. Christian's calling from Malibu. He's on line four, has a question for you. Good morning, Christian. You're on with Dr. Karenga. Good morning, gentlemen. Dr. Karenga, man, keep telling the truth. We are witnessing a psychopath, man, just like King James, just killing everybody for no reason. And the highest form of the truth is to see stuff in real time. This guy is giving Israel money for carpet bombing, phosphorus bombs. He's talking out of his mouth on both sides. You know, we want them to be conservative in their killing. And yet these people are killing right now. And the thing about it is these people, about the United States, are supporting this guy, knowing he's doing this. You can't support a person. This is the worst thing when you kill people. If a burglar goes in your house and steals all your stuff, unless you remain alive, that's terrible, but he didn't kill you. If they carjack you, they take your car, but let you leave, they didn't kill you. This guy is killing people. That's the highest form of atrocity you can be. We can't vote for this guy. I'm voting for Cornell West. I'm making a stand for the righteousness. This is not a vote against Biden. This is a vote for Cornell West. We have to stand up and look the truth in the air. And the other thing is this. We can't let people try to influence you because they want you to vote somewhere. Vote who you feel is, is true and conscious. Go ahead, doctor. All right. Thanks, Christian. Yeah. Dr. Karenga. Yeah. Yes, appreciate what you said, if I understand, thanks for that. And one of the things I didn't finish saying is that we will have to decide after the primaries and everything what kind of leverage we have to deal with and how can we transform things. But we need some leverage power, and we can only get it if we refuse to go along with the game, if we interrupt and say, I refuse, if we reject, if we resist, right? Then we got a whole different kind of bargaining capacity then. And I wanted to just say again, thanks for saying that about 
uh, the Palestinians and, and the need to stand up and speak, as the AME Church did and the 900 faith leaders that signed it early and the way South Africa. And I want to praise South Africa for standing and doing what no one else had done before, took Israel successfully to the International Court of Justice and got them to rule that there is a plausible case for genocide against the Palestinians. And I wanted to say again about our humanity, because this is important to us. We are the people, uh, black people, that introduce. I know a lot of times people think, based on their religious teaching, that somebody else introduced the concept that we're in the image of God, that we are bearers of dignity and divinity. But that came from African people in the now. We're the ones who stood up and said, humans are in the image of God, worthy of the highest uh, uh, respect, that they are bearers of dignity. In the Egyptian, uh, ancient Egyptian word, shepesu means dignity. And it means an inherent worthiness that you have by being human. And that worthiness is transcendent. Uh, it is equal in all, and it is inalienable. It's transcendent means it's beyond all social, biological identities you might have. Race, class, gender, sexuality, age, ability. Second, it's equal in all. No hierarchy. No one superior or inferior. And third, that it's inalienable. Nobody can take it from you. Neither king, nor queen, nor congress, etc. It's with you. That's the argument we use against enslavement. That's the argument women used against male chauvinism and patriarchy. That's the, uh, the argument everybody uses, that we are all humans, equally worthy. And as we say in Kawaita, my philosophy, all, every people and culture is a unique and equally valid and valuable way of being human in the world. I repeat, Every people and culture is a unique and equally valid and valuable way of being human in the world. And so when I talk about Palestine, I also talk about the Uyghurs in China and about Rohingya and about the Yemeni. And I talk about Africans in the Sudan and in Ethiopia and and certainly Haiti all the time. I write on these things because I believe what our people taught us. My ancestors said we must bear witness to truth and uh, set the scales of justice in their proper place among those who have no voice. And it's the same thing that King told us. He told the uh, white men or the government, if if, if people are afraid of the word white man, he tells them that, look, these people, what you call the enemy, the Vietnamese, they are children of God. They are my brothers and sisters, and no document and no government can make them less human and less my brothers and sisters. And I take that position. Anna Julia Cooper, Nana Anna Julia Cooper, say that we take our stand on the solidarity of humanity, the oneness of life, and the unnaturalness, listen to that word, the unnaturalness and injustice of all favoritism, whether race or class, country or condition. That's so important for us to remember we're the moral social vanguard in this country and the world in a special way. And let's not forget that no matter what other people are doing, we must hold that ground. That's the ground we made to argue against the Holocaust of enslavement and to resist it, the savagery of segregation, and the constant rampage of racist, racism and racism in this country against us. Let's hold to that. Hold to the best of what it means to be African and human in the world and always struggle for African and human good and the well-being of the world and all in it. That's what we're taught. That's how we build a good world, a good society and a good world. We have to relate to other people, but we must always relate as equals.
Gotcha. 29 away from the top. Yeah, I'll keep rolling. Some more people want to got questions for Dr. Karenga. Mark's in Baltimore. He's on line five. Good morning, Mark. You're on with Dr. Karenga. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing, gentlemen? Um, thank you, Dr. Karenga, for um, the, the quantum principles. Um, and, you know, you said a lot. We, we, do, we definitely got to vote, and uh, we got to vote our interest. But um, no, Malcolm also said when he came back, um, from Mecca, he said that uh, black people shouldn't be killing each other. And he said um, that there can be no black-white unity to there's black unity, and we still struggle with that today. It ain't got, it's not a question of black-white uh, black on white crime or black on black crime. Nobody's hating on us like we do. And and my question mm. is, Ooh. my question is, uh, uh, um, my question is, is, uh, um, what I love about women, like like Francis Crest Wellesley, they don't give us any excuses. They take the excuses away from us as a people, you know, so that we can move forward. And what she say we ought to do, and I'm gonna see if you agree with this, to counter uh, 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 racist, um, racist, uh, counter racist behavior, is number one, stop name calling one another, stop cursing one another three stop squabbling with one another stop being discourteous stop stealing from one another stop robbing one another stop fighting one another stop killing one another stop using drugs stop selling drugs to one another so um do you agree with that i think that's the best thing and we're working here in baltimore with the muslim and christian brothers and we out us been doing it for going on six years but nobody here in baltimore is hating on us is killing us like us. Thank you. All right. I'll tell you what. Thank you, Mark. And Dr. Crank, I'll let you respond after the short break and take our last break. Mark, put a lot on your table. I know you want to you want to address all those issues that he mentioned. Family, you want to join us? 800-450-7876 to speak to Dr. Karanga. 26 away from the top. I'll be back in four minutes with your phone calls right here in Baltimore on 1010. W-O-L-B, if you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. W-O-L, where information is power. From the top of the hour, I guess Dr. Moana Karenga. Dr. Karenga, of course, is a person who created Kwanzaa, and it's now an international celebration for us. And before we go back to him, because I know he wants to respond to all those questions that Mark laid on him, I just want to remind you some of the other folks that are coming up later this week include clinical psychologist, you heard his commercial, Dr. Jerome E. Fox, also activist physician, Dr. Velva Bowles will be here, Dr. V, and futuristic researcher, Brother Sadiqa Bakari, and Griot, Professor James Small. They're all going to be here this week. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure you rate us locked in tight on 1010 WOLB if you're in the DMV run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Dr. Karenga, all those issues that Mark from Baltimore mentioned, I'll let you respond to them. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
big vote. Uh, so, appreciate what you've uh, said and asked if I understand it correctly. First of all, I think it's very important for us, uh, Mark, uh, not to borrow the pathological language of our oppressor and have us indicting ourselves instead of the oppressor. We are always, we are moral agents, and you are right, and you know you're right, that we must take responsibility for our behavior. But we operate in conditions that are conducive to self-hate. If we look at how we won the case with Brown versus Board of Education, uh, uh, Drs. Kenneth and Mamie Clark made the argument that the conditions of segregation made even the children hate themselves, right? This is systemic racism, right, that made the people hate themselves and choose a yellow-haired doll. And I want to come back to that because we see that with adults also, right? I mean, we can't say why the children choosing the yellow hair and the mamas and the papas got yellow hair, right? So that represents a problem, and we can't pretend that ideas drop from the sky. Ideas don't drop from the sky. They don't grow from the ground. They don't float in from the sea. They come from the context, the social context in which we find them. And if we are not strong enough, right, personally and communally, to resist, then, in fact, some of us will break and be against themselves. That's why Haji Malcolm called being greatly unjust to yourself. It's an Islamic concept, zoom out naf, to be greatly unjust to yourself, right? The Messenger Muhammad taught that also, by the way. So I want you to see that we are often, uh, and too many times, greatly unjust to ourselves, but not all the people, some of the people. It's a problem, right? It's not all of us doing it. It's a problem. And certainly, I don't think it's right for us to say nobody hates on us like we do. And like other people, we're our worst enemy. How can we even compare ourselves to our enslaver who created the Holocaust of enslavement, killing, maiming, torturing, quartering, bawling alive, burning alive, skinning alive, tens of millions of people, right? But don't do that. How can we compare ourselves to the savagery of, uh, of segregation, lynching, burning the people alive, dragging them, skinning them again, right? Having little uh, festivals of hanging and burning and cutting off testicles and, and penises and putting them in a jar. Hey, and who, who in this systemic racism that we suffer every day, especially graphically indicated, by the police following us and shooting everybody, children, young people, men, women, hey, and doing it, guess what, Mark, under the color and camouflage of law. When the gangster does it, right, they know they're outside the law and everybody else says, but what if the police can actually kill you under the color and camouflage of law and does it with impunity? So don't, don't compare us to our oppressor. Yeah, we got a problem, but our pressure is the problem that causes much of our problems, if not all of it. In fact, as the messenger Muhammad said, the white man, the oppressor, the oppressor, is responsible for everything we are except righteous. And I don't want to say that as if I deny moral agency, because in the final analysis, we are our own liberators, Mark, and I agree with you on that. We are our own liberators. 
For people that cannot save itself is lost forever. But I'm telling you that we must deal with two things here, consciousness and conditions, right? What makes us act like this is a consciousness and a condition. This conduct is dependent upon consciousness and conditions, right? And you got to keep that in mind. So the call for the end of that consciousness, which produces this self-destructive behavior, must be joined with a call and struggle to eliminate the conditions that foster and sustain this self-hatred you're talking about. And it has to be not just against the people shooting and killing and carrying on, but also the people that deny their own beauty, that actually bleach their skin, color their hair yellow, put blue contacts in, and make their children imitate them and believe they're not worthy. Also, the conditions of oppression actually pair up options for people where they don't have any horizon. Look at all that mass uh, I, the mass looting, uh, I forgot what the guy, flash mobs and all that, right? Where do you think that comes from? And I'm telling you, America, crime is American. That's what Americans do, right? We don't define ourselves by that. That's what Americans do. America is a land of gangsters. It started as gangsters against the Native Americans. It started and it continued with us taking our land, especially land that had oil on a rich farm of land, right? Gangsterism. Trump is a gangster. They elected him. 70 million people elected a gangster. Right? He wants to be a dictator. And also, I want to tell you, Mark, and you know, if you look at and study the history of revolution and oppression, you would know that there's not an oppressed people in the world that didn't have collaborators in their own oppression. And I always like to say this because you take a white example and people can see it. Let's take the Jewish Holocaust, right? We can use the Holocaust of African Americans and Native Americans, but I'm going to use the Jewish Holocaust, right? And here you see, you have something called the Judenrat. That is German for the Jewish Council that actually identified people to go to the camp, identified them, got them on the transportation and sent them to the camps. And the couples inside the camps actually were brutal, vicious on their own people. This is what oppression does. I'm telling you, this is what white people do. You know what other people do. But I'm saying it's a normal human response. And that's why we have to keep struggling. And if we struggle, if we struggle and we teach the values, we teach the respect for human life, we speak, we teach the need for knowing each other. Haji Malcolm said, you know, a lot of times we are unjust to ourselves, greatly unjust, because we lack knowledge of ourselves. You know? He said he calls it light, you know. He said we got to get light. We got to uh, know more about our people because uh, the light creates understanding. Understanding creates love. Love creates patience, and patience creates the condition we need. He said to unite, confront, and defeat our oppressor. And so I want to say to you, yes, let me and you agree on moral agency. We must take responsibility for our own life. But it's, we cannot do that if we keep uh, indicting our people. Our friends are known, not our friends are known. One of our great revolutionary minds and, and, and social theorists and psychologists, he talked in his book, uh, Wretched of the Earth, he talks about this self-hatred and turning inward, the violence, uh, turning inward. 
but the struggle pulls you out of it. If the struggle goes the way it should, then you know who the enemy is. It's not each other. And you create the conditions where people don't have to rob each other, steal from each other, do all the other things that Americans do uh, when uh, they're forced uh, to do it. And when other people feel they have no way out, they not only become destructive to others, they become self-destructive. And that's what we're witnessing. And we have to rebuild a movement to stop that. We must save ourselves. And there is no substitute, black people, no substitute at all for an aware, organized, and engaged people constantly involved in a multiplicity of activities to define, defend, and advance their interests. All right. 13 away from the top. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Karenga. Bob's in Buffalo has a question for you. Bob, do you have a question for Dr. Karenga? Yes, sir. Blessed love. Habaragani, Dr. Karenga. I've heard you speak many times, and I love you. I love your scholarship. Um, one of the truths that I've heard you speak in the rings true in my heart every day is that we must be a free, proud, and productive people. Can you let us know whether we should be fooled into accepting our current condition as freedom, and how can we work toward achieving true and complete freedom? Thank you, brother, for the work that you do. Thank you for the contribution. God bless. And God bless you, too, and thank you for your compliment. Uh, I think it's very important. Uh, we all are working, and I'm sure you are, too. We all are working to create an expanded realm of freedom and good in the world. Ajay Malcolm, and I keep referring to him not only because I'm writing on him and this major work, but also just to honor him on this month of his martyrdom, right? His self-giving, such a beautiful example. He said, this is a time for martyrs, and we have to give. And all of us are not going to give our lives, you know, in, the turn, in, the, in death like he did. But we can sacrifice in other ways, give our heart and mind, our time, our efforts, our material goods. And finally, if we are really committed, the wholeness of ourselves. And so we are struggling for this thing called freedom. And freedom has two aspects here, freedom from and freedom to. Freedom from domination, deprivation, and degradation. We have to break the hole that the European has on our lives. We have to get beyond the deprivation that drives us to do things we wouldn't do ordinarily, just like we were talking about just now. But we have a right to health care. We have a human right for clean water. We don't even have clean water in some places for black people. You know that. Not just in Flint, but in other places we haven't even gotten to yet, right? We don't have food security, right? We have to have these things. They're depriving us of health care, right? Just think about it. Health care, housing right? Guaranteed income, right? Space in our own community. I was talking about this the other day, about gentrification, how they're destroying our communities. I mean, putting up dog walking paths and, 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 and coffee shops. That's, that's their sign when they come, dog walkers and coffee uh, uh, places, right? And they're destroying culture centers, like here in Lamert Park. It's changing. Right in the before us. People can't even live in the own place they've been for years. They destroy 
cultural centers that produced our best music, our best writing, right? Our best intellectual changes when we, uh, our, our best intellectual achievement when we were together. And I think it's very important for us to understand that, that deprivation undermines our will, destroys initiative, right? I, I said, uh, look, uh, you know, uh, there's a biblical verse that man does not live by bread alone, and I agree with that. But here's what I said. We might not live by bread alone, but we can only come to that conclusion after we've eaten, right? So we have to eat. We have to drink. We have to have housing. We have to have health care. We have to have guaranteed income. We have to have recreation. We have to have quality education. There's so many things we need. And that's another thing that Africans gave in terms of the four good deeds of God, where these things are God-given. The world belongs to us, all of us. It's a shared good that the world represents. And some of the people under capitalism, imperialism, colonialism, and the Holocaust of enslavement has taken them to themselves and monopolized it. And we must break that monopoly. And so if we're talking about freedom, we want to get rid of domination, depri- uh, deprivation, and degradation. That's freedom from. Now, freedom to. The conditions and capacities, black people, to live a good and meaningful lives. Good and meaningful life, to live good and meaningful life, to flourish and come into the fullness of ourselves. We don't even know what we can do. Look at what we do even under oppression. Look at us. The European outlawed us learning and writing, reading and writing. And in less than 100 years outside the Holocaust of enslavement, we created a world-class literature second to none. Right? How are we possible? That's why I love uh, Howard Thurman, uh, uh, Nana Howard Thurman, I'm sorry, Nana Howard Thurman, Nana Gwynne Brooks, and Nana Nana Barris. I always like to mention them. They said, look, first, Nana Howard Thurman said, we're the people who ride the storm and remain intact. Nana Gwynne Brooks says, we are the people who conduct our blooming in the noise and whip of the whirlwind. And Nana Nana Barris says, we're the people that specialize in the holy impossible. That's us. And when we have freedom from, we'll have the freedom to flourish and come into the fullness of ourselves. And what would the world look like then? Doctor. And Dr. Cran, we've got to cut it right there because we're just about out of time here. Uh, Dr. Cran, before I let you go, though, how can folks follow you? Uh, is, there, is there a website, email address? Yes, uh, you can do um, us-organization.org, us-us.organization.org, uh, Afro-American uh, Culture Center, L.A., and MaulanaKaringa.org, official uh, KwanzaaWebsite.org. Those four websites you can do. And you can call us if you still use telephone, which I do, at... Uh, <laughs> I remember our number now, 323-299-6124, 323-299-6124. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Carl. Thank you for all the information thing. you shared with us this morning. Yeah, Dr. thank you Malana for Craig. all the work you always do and for these invitations. And remember, this is our duty to know our past and honor it, to engage our present and improve it, and to imagine a whole new future. 
and to forge it in the most ethical, effective, and expansive ways. Thank you so much. Ashe. Folks, we've done for the day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Fifteen fifty W O L.